This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Drive to deep center field. Going back, Hernandez at the track right to the wall. Gone! Elvis Andrews! And 29 other MLB clubs. Guerrero lifts one to left field and gone. Oh, Tani, that was a moonshot out there in the right center. Alonzo defends his title, the 2021 Derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe from OPS Plus to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. I got to tell you, I feel pretty good today. There's a couple things that we would like to point out. Number one, got my coffee going. And my, this is an old mug, by the way. This is an old A's mug. The apostrophe for my A and the S on my old coffee mug no longer exists. I think all the time through the dishwasher, it doesn't exist anymore. But I got my A's mug. I'm keeping the great white shark up. I'm doing everything to stay positive. Because I think when you think of Chris Townsend right now, in 2022, you think nothing but positive. You think sunshine, unicorns, lollipops, rainbows, that's what we are here on Ace Cast Live. If you're listening to the stream, thank you. If you're watching on YouTube, on the Ace channel, thank you. And if you're on Twitter, at AthleticsCast24 and watching, thank you. Martin Gallegos from MLB.com is going to be here at 1.30. Mike Farron will be here at 2 o'clock. And Joe Castiglione from the Red Sox at 2.30. Where do we want to start? Well, I was going to start uh, talking about A's Red Sox and some numbers to get you ready for the game. But before I came on the program, I happened to turn on my television. And, of course, what is my television set to? MLB Network. And guess what's happening on MLB Network? Uh, Detroit's taking on the White Sox. Yeah. And it's now a final, 13 to nothing. And when a game is 13 to nothing, what happens at the end of the game? Position players pitch. Tucker Barnhart's on the mound, ladies and gentlemen. He wasn't the only one that pitched. That's all the only one I saw. Who else? The Rockets' son, uh, what is it? Is it Cody? Cody Clemens. Cody Clemens. So it gets even better. Cody, Cody with a K, not a C. We, yeah, what's up with that? I don't know. The kid from Stanford, the catcher, Cody Haas, K-O-D-Y, 
uh, Gen, I guess that's like the Gen Z way to spell it now. The real ways, but the, but, but the Clemens aren't Gen Z. No, well, well did no, they name Rogers all their not. kids K's because uh, of strikeouts? Ooh. Ooh, actually, I think they did. Uh, what are what are their kids' names? Uh, I see. don't know what Roger Clemens' kids' names are. I thought he was your favorite pitcher of all. I mean, I don't know Greg Maddox's kids' names. I don't want to know their kids' names because you know why? They'd be creepy. Cody, Corey, Kobe. Uh, oh, they're Kobe, all K names. And Casey. So ridiculous. <laughs> no offense to the Clemens family, Mrs. Clemens, but that's ridiculous. <laughs> so we had not one, not two. Now we had two. So No, three. Harold Castro, if that's the right, that's three. Well, you just we had three position players pitching a game today. All for Detroit. Three. I don't know what the total number is to this point, but I'm willing to say that we are going to see a record number of position players pitch in Major League Baseball a year, pitch in Major League Baseball this year, and at the same time have the most pitchers on a roster than ever before in the history of baseball. Am I am I crazy to think that? Am uh, I crazy to say if we could bet on that, I would bet on that, that we will by far have more position players pitch in the history of baseball with having the most pitchers ever on rosters than the history of the game has ever seen? I don't think you're wrong. I had the number earlier this year, and now I don't remember where I put it. Um, well, you had three today, and it's the first game of the day. What I, well, I think when we last looked the, a couple weeks ago, it was 18 position players pitched. I think it was 18 or 19, somewhere around there. On um, the season? Yeah. My, you that, know that, what? That was weeks ago, though. Uh, I was about to say, that's you kidding me? So, like, here, let's put it in the context, and this is getting into the A's a little bit. Jonah Bride was the 46th player to appear in a game for the A's this year, which is tied for third most in the American League. And you're talking about the number of pitchers that we might see used this year. Uh, Wait a minute! What? We're only third in the American League in players used, according to the according to the great Mike Selleck in the A's game notes. We're third in the American League with forty six different players appearing in a game this year. There's teams who have used more players than us. Yeah, it seems like it. I don't know who they would be though. Who's been injured? Oh, let's see. Rays. Uh, the White Sox have had a ton of injuries. Rays. I don't know how to. I don't. I don't have. I'm not logged into Stathead on here, so I can't look it up as quick. But I'll, let me see the. Let me find the White Sox. Well, I'm just going to say this: we have one final today. There's one final in Major League Baseball. White Sox 13, Detroit nothing. Not one, not two, but three position players pitched today. When you've got 13 guys on your pitching staff, use three position players. Okay, sorry. The the White Sox have only used 38 guys, according to this. So they're not the one of them. <laughs> now, because I, 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 where we are right now, I, I know I just wrote down the date. Was it June 15th? Today's June 15th, correct. I am fine with everything that's going on with our rosters. I'm absolutely fine with it. You're not going to hear me complain about how many guys. I want to use more. And no, I'm not being sarcastic. I have dubbed this the year of discovery, which means show me as many players as you can. I don't care how many guys make their debut. I don't care how many guys end up in an A's uniform. I don't care. The more the merrier. We're 21 and 42. I want to see boatloads of players coming in and out 
of this clubhouse. Let's find guys. Jonah Bride yesterday, here's the notes. MLB high 10 players to make their MLB debuts this year for the A's. You know what? It should be that. That's what you do when you're saying we're in a pivot. Show me a bunch of different guys. I want to see that. I'm not going to in any way. And I think I think people see that as a negative. I don't see it as a negative. I see it as a positive. I see it as, hey, let's play as many guys as we possibly can. And what, we're in June? We got July, August, September, even into October. What, we end on the 5th of October? Something like the 6th, because remember we end the series now the year against the Angels, I want to say at home. Is that who our final? Let me. I can check the, the official end date, but I believe we'll play the Angels the last game of the year. When you mentioned Jonah Bride, 46th player to appear in a game for the A's this year. The A's used 50 players last year and 38 in the pandemic-shortened 2020 season. He's the 10th rookie to make his MLB debut. This year, which is the most in baseball. That's the most for the A's since 2016. Which was had, also a bad year. They also had a, the Oakland record the set that year with 15 different guys making their debut. I think we might pass that this year. Yeah, but are you selling this as a bad thing? Or no. I, I think it's – I good. think most people, if you, don't, if you don't put it into context and you don't tell people, they're going to view it as a bad thing. And you're right. October 5th is the final day. October 5th, and yeah. it's the Angels? It's the Angels at home on a Wednesday. So, I, I'm going to celebrate it. This is what I want to see. Kevin Smith, you're not hitting. See ya. Back down to AAA, bring somebody else. Jonah Bride's 26, 23rd round out of South Carolina. Hell, why do I care when he was drafted? Can he play? Bring him up. Let's see. When's Nick Allen coming back? I'll take anybody. Let's see what you got. That's what you do in a pivot year. That's what you do for hopefully not the next couple years, but that's what you do. Let's not look at this as a bad thing. Look at this as year of discovery. Let's find out. Let me put it simple to you. Who the hell can play and who can't? Can you play? Great, you're here. You can't? We're moving on. But you don't know until you're given an opportunity. You need to have the opportunity. And here's the reality. You traded Bassett. You then traded Olsen. You then traded Chapman. You then traded Manaya. In that order, right? Did I got the order right? Yeah, Manaya was the last Bassett, one. Olsen, Chapman, Manaya. Correct. Right? We were there when Manaya got traded. It was emotional. Whatever. You brought in a boatload of players. Who is at the big league level right now from those from those trades? Uh, the answer would be two guys. It would be Christian Pache and Adam Aller. Ding, 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 ding. How you feeling about that? Um, not great because you're looking for young guys to play. <laughs> uh, we did see Adrian Martinez debut for the A's. He was another part of the – he was part of the Manaya trade. Correct. Uh, we saw Kevin Not, not the focal point. But, hey, he's throwing the ball hey, well. we've seen every every guy from the Chapman trade except for uh, Gunnar Hoglund, who had Tommy John surgery. So, we've seen Kevin Smith. We've seen Kirby Sneed. And we've seen Zach Logue. So, I mean, I, I, we'll see. We are going to see Langoliers. It, it might be this year later later on. So, he'll, he'll be another guy that debuts. I'm just – I don't know for sure. I would assume that we would see him. I mean, he's in AAA right now. Pache is not in the lineup again today. 
Maybe it's a rest day. I don't know. No, I don't. Well, do it was it? Wait, he had Monday off. He didn't play yesterday. So let's see. We got Bethancourt, vote Bride. We got the homage to Ray Fossey again. There's four catchers in the lineup. <laughs> well, voter. Vo- I mean, at least voter got a hit. Hey, whoa! It's third home run of the year. I mean, he's Barry Bonds. One swing, <laughs> he walked twice, then came up, got one one pitch to hit, and he knocked out of the ballpark. It was Barry Bonds. So I'm just I'm. You know what I'm selling today? Numbers to me is a good thing. Before I get into Boston, Oakland, which has been miserable, we have been going with past highlights that make you feel good. Okay? There's certain times you hear these voices, you hear these names, they make you feel good. It made me feel good the other night. I have I have mentioned on this show that as a kid, I liked Dave Parker. Dave Parker was a stud. Whether he was a pirate, a red, and then later on as an A, you know, I grew up in San Diego. I went to a lot of games at the Murph. I saw a lot of Dave Parker. Dave Parker was a stud. A big man who just had a rocket of an arm who hit bombs and also hit for, I know it's weird, it's this thing called batting average. Dave Parker, to me, I I think, I, you know what, I want to put a committee together, call the commissioner for me, our friend Rob Manfred. I want to put a committee together and go back and look at some players who may be really getting snubbed out of the Hall of Fame. Well, he's one of them. He is definitely one of them. Del Murphy's one. Garvey. Garvey. Uh, 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 Tommy John. Tommy John. I think Dick Allen's being. Did you see I went left-handed on you? I did. Most career, most career no decisions in this, what was it, 188? He's 288 wins. Yeah, I mean, we'd have 300 wins, easy. Could have close to 400. So I think we need to do a committee. And, oh, by the way, I thought about this to really upset older people, but I could include me in this. I think we need to come up with committees for people to really look into our game and what's best for our game, and no one on the committee can be 50 or older. So you want young writers or former players? Whoa, I want writers. What are writers? Well, they put on all the awards. So you want? I'm not sure I want writers. That's what I'm saying. We got. I think we need to put committees together. I find, I say former young ex players, younger ex players. No, not we can't. You can't. Why would you want to just have one view? Young players, former players, executives. Why not some writers, some players, some executive? Why don't get a a boulia base. Broadcasters. Do you know what a boulia base is? Um, I'm assuming it's food related. It's a soup that has like a lot of different. Why don't we get a lot of different younger people who are the future of our game? And the reason why I said 50 is if you don't know, I have recently turned 50. So I don't want the older guys coming down on me going, eh. I'm including myself in that. Us 50-up guys don't have to act, don't get a say in this because we're already jaded from watching baseball. Not me in the 70s, but my baseball is the 80s. Like, you bring stuff from the 80s, that gets me going. I still have VHS tapes of, like, are, the best of the 80s. What are those? Yeah, exactly. I said, dude, the 80s is my wheelhouse. You want to go 80s trivia, that's my deal. How are your 8-tracks doing? 8-tracks are not 80s. But actually, eight tracks, uh, uh, carts basically were eight tracks. 
they were still carts at radio stations. They had cart racks, so you had all these carts, and that's what your commercials were. Yeah. When I first got to KMBR, you'd play. There was two carts. There was two cart machines. One played it. You'd load up your carts for the commercial breaks. The cart would play, and then it would automatically rewind. Rewind. You put the cart back up. So, th- actually, those were still being being used into the late '90s, by the way. But yeah, baseball for me, my wheelhouse is '80s. My favorite player is who? The vice president. I believe he's the vice president of baseball operations for the Royals. The great George Brett. How is he? But he plays golf every day. He's got I, I, a steakhouse. George Brett's not doing anything I, other than walking around being George Brett. Let me look at their front. I remember looking at it the other day because I was looking at who has ace highs on the Royals. That's why I love Dave Parker. That's why I love George Brett. That's why I like Nolan Ryan. That's why I love Tony Gwynn. That's why I love Wade Bott. The 80s is my met Roger Clemens. Vice President, Baseball Operations. He's George not Brett. doing nothing. I don't, it's what it says, right? I mean, they they. Have- I know y'all be. I'll come clean. I, I always thought Ricky was fascinating. I just never was a Ricky Henderson guy. So you weren't a Ricky Henderson. I love those. My, my favorite A, and literally late eighties and I'm high school. My favorite guy was Jose Canseco. He's on the desk right there, right here. Yeah, I I keep Jose on my desk. When you all win against Jose, not me, I hosted Jose Canseco's documentary uh, in the at the Concord Movie Theater. Me, Jose, and the uh, director and blah, blah, we were all up there. When they said, because they came to me, because a lot of people were like, would you do it? I'm like, Jose Canseco, I'm in. You may see him as a pariah. I love the guy. And by the way, I sat up there for, I was with Jose for like probably three hours. Months go by later, he was on the field for something. One of the things, one of those top 100 players or whatever. I went, hey, Jose, went like he'd never seen me before. <laughs> That's probably, probably been the top 50. I didn't care. I'm an 80s guy. Jose Canseco was the man. So to make you all feel better today. Let's go back into the Wayback Machine. You may remember this. Are, are the two legends on the call? It's actually it's a video I found on Twitter from Amazing A's Craze, and it's Chris Berman breaking down the highlights. So this not this is not this is not Lon Simmons. No, it's one because it, I remember Lon. I remember hearing Lon calling a couple of these. Yeah, uh, this it's is Bill what, King, Lon Simmons in the booth, but it had to have been Lon's inning. But this is with that famous weekend where McGuire's going nuts at Fenway Park. I just, if I recall right, it was Lon who was on the majority of the calls. Then you also hear ones that's Greg Papa and the great Ray Fossey. Yeah, these ones were, this is from ESPN. It's on June 11th, 1995. Uh, We'll play it for you, and then we'll explain the significance of this. Uh, But McGuire had a weekend, uh, a couple days at Fenway Park. The A's in Beantown this weekend. Two homers yesterday. McGuire yesterday parked. A pair in the Lansdowne garage. First pitch today. Oh, he parts this off Zane Smith. Back, 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 back. 463 feet worth. Gone. His 15th homer, 1-0 A's. Next at bat, fourth inning. Have you seen this before? Yes. The slow slider, McGuire. It's back, back. It's off the speaker above the monster. Another solo homer, 2-0 A's. Next at bat. Let's try a slider. Oh, no. Not again. It's back, back. Gone. And everyone would go to great lengths 
to get a souvenir from Mark McGuire. Even scale the monster. But it's just a 3-1 game in the bottom of the eighth in shades of the old days. Rick Honeycutt, the left-hander to get to Eckersley, gets Mo Vaughn on a 3-0 pitch and a 3-2, gets him fishing. And then against Mike Greenwell, watch the play made by Gates and then Bordick. Four, six, three, double play. The A's tack on five in the ninth to make it look like a laugher. This guy was laughing all the way to the back. Five home runs in two days for Mark McGuire. The A's win it by the count of 8-1 for McGuire now, 17 the major league lead. McGuire now, five homers in two games. He's the only one ever to do it in the American League twice in his career. So there you go. Five home runs in two-day span at Fenway Park. We kind of saw something similar to this yesterday. I don't know if you saw this. Let me just run this by you real quick. It's another fellow Cardinals first baseman doing this. Paul Goldschmidt of the Cardinals is the first MLB player to have nine-plus hits, nine-plus RBI, six-plus runs scored, five-plus extra base hits, four-plus home runs, zero strikeouts over a two-day span since Ty Cobb, May 5th and 6th of 1925. I was watching the highlight of Michaelis getting – that was in game two. Correct. Cal Mitchell, ground roll double. Two outs in the ninth inning, and he gave up the hit. 129 – that Ollie Marmol should be fired for leaving him in that long. But I was – what was, was 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 the home run he hit – he hit a home run. Well, he hit one – I think he hit – did he hit two yesterday? I think he hit two in the game yesterday. I saw one that Goldschmidt hit that, you know – it's amazing the leverage, the ground, how he uses the ground for leverage because he doesn't take that stride, but there's just so much power coming up from the ground and the lift that he has on his swing. And he hit a ball, and it looked like a pop fly. And the center fielder's going back, and the center fielder's going back, and it's just gone. And you're like, knowing that he had a, off the top of my head, was it 46 game on base streak? Yeah, Just recently snapped yeah, those 46 yeah. games. I mean, we we at some point are going to be talking about Paul Goldschmidt, the Hall of Famer. I I agree. I mean, he's done everything you could do in this game, and now that he's out of the Valley of the Sun and he's in a, a baseball mecca known as St. Louis and one of the great franchises in baseball, and he keeps just putting up these numbers year after year after year. I mean, where is he career-wise? He's got to be over 1,000 RBIs by now. Well, he's hitting 349 on the year with a 1,073 I mean, OPS. this guy is just an absolute force, and he's been like that for years. I, I was going to save it for if we got to buying or selling, but I was asking you right now since we're talking about it. Is he the best player in the game right now to never have won an MVP? I have the list of guys that. Um, he, in his career, has 983 RBI. All right, 983. Sorry, I was close. So, dude, how old is he? He's not that old. He's, what, 33? Yeah, he's in his, I think, early early to mid-30s. So, he you're talking about a guy that's going to – 34 with 35 in go, September. Go, go down to his numbers. You're talking about a guy who is 33. 34. 34. He's got a career 917 OPS. Almost 300 homers, a 54.4 WAR. He's on track for the Hall of Fame. If you look at WAR, I mean, you're gonna—he's gonna have over 1,500 RBIs in his career. He's gonna have over 400 home runs. What's his lifetime average? Since uh, you don't care about it, 295. 
I mean, this guy's gonna be how I many? So what? Like, what, what's he got? Gold gloves, that kind of stuff. Uh, four-time Silver Slugger, four-time Gold Glover, he's got six, four Gold Gloves, six-time All Star. Paul Goldschmidt's gonna be a Hall of Famer. All right, so here's the guy. Barring a major injury anytime soon that derails it, that I, I think I'm not gonna. I'm so tired of the future Hall of Fame stuff. Like, happy birthday to a couple greats today. I hate how they do this. Happy 73rd birthday to future Hall of Famer Dusty Baker. We don't know if he's a future Hall of Famer. We think he should be. I do. But That's fine. But why we do we have to say future? What happens if you don't get in and Dusty Baker ends up passing and he passes away before ever going to the Hall of Fame? That's horrible. Yeah. Stop, stop with the future. Call, start calling somebody a Hall of Famer when they get put in. But happy 73rd birthday to Dusty. Hall of Famer's Billy Williams. Billy Williams is 84. That's, yeah, that's up there. Wade Boggs, the chicken man. Happy birthday to him. He's 64. And then Andy Pettit, Tony Clark, uh, turned 50. Well, you're older than Tony Clark. Well, Tony Clark, Tony Clark and I, I've said before, played on an all-star team together. Well, I thought that he might have been like a year older. Or We're the exact. We're both class of 90. And Andy Pettit feels like he's been in the league and then out of the By league. By the way, if we could go back to that. Mount Helix All-Star team. <laughs> Where did Tony Clark hit? Former first overall pick in the draft. I both, know the, both of us were all San Diego, let's be honest. Uh, go back in that lineup. Where did I hit and where did Tony Clark hit? Uh, you were at the top of the order. Tony Clark was ninth. Ninth. I hit first. Your boy added some wheels back in the day. Well, you, you turned the lineup. Tony just turned the lineup over to you. Could hit a little bit, you know. <laughs> He had, he had a, I think he 400 had a, career average. He had a, hit a little bit. He had a couple home runs in the major. To run a little bit. I did have no pop. I will admit that. But real quick since we we're on it, here's this was an article on MLB.com like a long time ago. Players who have never won an MVP so far. Uh, it's all, all young right. guys. Juan Soto. He's, Ron, he's 18 Ron, years old. Ronald Acuna He's Jr. like 17. Manny Machado. That's a good one. Because Man, Manny now is how oh, old? Uh, he's almost 30, I think. Manny's been around a long time. And you know what? Manny Machado's going to be a Hall of Famer. Fernando, Whether you like it or not. Fernando can't swing a bat. By the way, yay or nay on liking Manny Machado? I never disliked him. I've never liked Manny. No, a lot of people, he disrupted You know why? It's because you're not an A's fan. You don't remember him and Donaldson. No, I remember that. It was at 2014. Now, Donaldson's a little prickly, but he's our guy. Not a Manny fan. But Manny's going to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, he's, let's look at his numbers. Manny quick. Machado. Book it will be a Hall of Famer. He is going to be 30 in the uh, beginning of July. Dude, he's been playing forever. Five-time All-Star, two-time Gold Glover, a Platinum Glove winner, and he's only won. He's only been a Silver Slugger once. He's $300 million, and he's on the Silver Slugger once. I'm, I'm kidding, obviously. Uh, 48.5 career war. And he's and he's is, is he 30 yet? He'll be 30 July 6th. So he's almost at 50 war, and he's not even 30. So uh, he has to just get another. I don't. We no one knows how it's calculated, but he just needs to get another twenty points. He's at seven. I'm glad you mentioned that because Tim Kirchin said the SNM Busters podcast. They were talking about Kevin Gossman and um, Alec Manoa and where they are depending on war, where you look for war. Gossman's like three point on one site, and Manoa's at one point nine, where he leads the league in ERA, uh, or was in the top of the league in ERA. And Kirchin's like, I don't understand how we about how we calculate war. Because how is his how is his war higher than his war when he has a lower an ERA a point lower than 
then Gossman but his is a three and, and Manoa's is like remember what? pitchers wore two calculations different than than position players. So it's probably even more scandalous. Like Sandy Alcantara has a three point nine war according to uh, Sandy Alcantara's gone what? How many times has he gone eight innings this year? Uh, he's re- he's incredible. Fire everyone in Miami for allowing this great talent to go eight. Innings. All right, back to Manny Machado. He'll get another twenty war easy. Stays healthy, yeah. Def- the defense. So that puts him over seventy. He'll be a Hall of Famer. All right, next. That was it. Those are the guys they put. You on said the list. Soto Acuna and that's the, yeah, that's that's the people they had on the list, and then Goldschmidt. What's the question? Who's the is Goldschmidt the be, is he the best player in baseball to never win an MVP? Is he better than Manny Machado? If you I, took I, if if you took how unpopular Manny is as a guy, which I'm willing to do, I'm not a Manny Machado fan. I don't think I ever could be. I've I've heard too much, seen too much, um, but take that all away. Just as a talent, is Paul Goldschmidt? Would you rather have Paul Goldschmidt than Manny Machado? Um, right now, Manny. Li- right now, yes. Long term, no. Manny realistically should be playing short. He's a terrific athlete. He should be playing short now anyway. With Tatis hurt, I mean. But they have him a third. He's the only third baseman ever go all the way down the right field line and catch a ball <laughs> at the wall in foul territory. Which, which by the way, was so – wasn't that a remarkable play? Where, where did that happen? Was that Texas? I think it was, I a, have, it was I, in the new Ranger was ballpark. Was that COVID year? It was 2020, yeah. He went from – yeah, he went the only third baseman went down all the way down the line to the wall in right field to catch a ball. Yeah. And you had to, <laughs> and it was in foul territory, so you have to score at F5. Yeah, it, it was a remarkable – Foul territory, fly out to the third baseman – that's just how stupid things have become. <laughs> You've got to mark that if how I, I always mark F for foul. So that would, my scorebook would be an F5, but it was down the right field line at the wall in foul territory. I mean, how stupid is that? Uh, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, it does. It makes sense where the game is now, but it doesn't make sense overall. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's any other guys that like that we've had. Manny Machado could get in. Well, Goldschmidt or Machado could be get an MVP this year because I've been following your guy Bomel. Uh Padres they're right, are they're right, right there. They're like it's like, it's like 623 to 619 a winning percentage. And Dodgers. I just saw this. You know who's been money on the road this year? Um, and I hate to say it. Who do we hate more than anybody else? The Astros? The Astros are 22 and 14 on the road this year. That's third best behind the Padres. The Padres. And who's, well, on who's the got the best record? It's not hard oh. to figure out. Oh, the uh, New York Yankees. You had, so you had to bring the Yankees in at some point today. <laughs> Buster only. Um, yeah, look out for Bo Mel and the Padres. They are they're in a virtual tie with the Dodgers now. Dave Roberts on the hot seat? Uh, I think he's okay. We got Martine, by the way. Well, let's let let's see if he's willing to go on a hot take. You ready? <laughs> you ready, Mark? You ready? You ready to say Dave Roberts is on the hot seat? I mean, it's. I mean, based on you know, I mean they've they've built up great records over the years, but I mean between the the failed you know World Series attempts and how they're going this year with the Padres catching up, I mean. 
I think I think it definitely. Uh, I think it's certainly something that's that's on the minds of of, of people in LA right now. Yeah, I, it's actually been brought up, and you know, I think for us because we're in the division. I mean, a lot of people were shocked by Joe Madden getting released, but then I think us in the division were like, "Hey, man, you got all this talent. You're spending all this money. You've now lost all these games." He was brought in to not wait to win, to rebuild to win. You've replaced the guy that hired him. I mean, they're built to win now. You're not winning. So, like, when you really think about it, you're like, I'm not so shocked. Like, people shouldn't be so shocked at, at that that some people got to make these decisions to jump ship. I mean, if you're built to win now, what is the future if you're you're supposed to be doing it today? Yeah, I mean, it's all about, it's all about where you're at and where the expectations are. I mean, the Dodgers, you look at them coming in and everybody, basically everybody picking them to win the World Series. And, I mean, if they don't win the division – I mean that's that's a that's a total disaster based on the expectations. So uh, it'd be interesting to see how the second half goes for them and and how they kind of respond. That their pitching staff seems to be in shambles too. So I mean we'll see what they do at the deadline and stuff. But um, that's a tough division for sure. Right, I want your I want your take on this as it is one thirty two when we are having you on here on A's Cast Live. We have one final today. It is Detroit getting beat up by the White Sox at home, 13-0. We had not one, not two, but three position players pitch for the Tigers today. Um, You've got 13 guys on your pitching staff, and you threw three position players. This is just the start of today. Where are you right now? We have more pitchers than ever before, but yet we are by far going to set the record for most position players to pitch in games. Yeah, that's uh, oh, man. I don't even know about that. That's not good. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm not a. You know, I don't like seeing pitchers come in. I mean, I, I understand. You know, sometimes the logic that's behind it, like you know, the A's have done it a couple times, and and Kotze's, you know explained it. But um, I mean, you never want to see it. There's enough. There's enough. Like you said, there's enough roster spots to where you shouldn't have to do something like that, right? You should have a pitcher that you can use to eat up the last whatever innings that you need, and then you could send them down and call somebody back up um, from triple A or something like that. But um, to use three position players in a game, that's insane. That I never thought I would see something like that um, in baseball. So, um, I mean, I think, you know, there's obviously, I think it's going to be something that has to be discussed, you know, probably at the end of the season, because I mean, if it starts getting out of hand like that, I mean, it's, it's, it's a tough product to watch. I mean, the fans that are showing up, don't want to see position players come on. I mean, I, the novelty's worn off on it. You know, at first it was, you know, kind of funny, but, um, when you start seeing it so often, it's not even, it's not even like a, like a notable thing anymore. It's just like, you know, whatever came in to pitch, you know, an inning and um, it's not, you know, the game I think definitely suffers when, when it happens that often like that. All right. I'm not going to give you my opinion. I want, I want to hear yours first. When you start hearing about all the different players used, when you start hearing about all the different debuts and this is all going to be highs for the A's this year. How do you feel about that? Well, I mean, we kind of knew we kind of knew this was going to be the case, right? Coming into the season, uh, you know, rebuilding year, they were going to be, you know, shuffling guys in and out to try to figure out, you know, which guys, you know, are, are performing well. You know, if a guy from AAA is performing well, you call him up. A guy's not performing up here, going down. You know, like yesterday with Kevin Smith, that was, you know, kind of a. I want to say surprise. You look at the numbers, the offense has been kind of bad, but um, defensively he's been pretty good. But I mean, this is kind of what you see with teams that are, that are going through a situation like this. They're trying to figure out, 
you know, which guys are going to be part of this future or not. Um, and, you know, you're going to see, you know, transaction like this, they're probably going to break a record for like, you know, major league tape for rookies used this year. I mean, they've used so many and um, you've, you've kind of seen it the last kind of, you know, month or so, two months or so where, uh, you know, guys have gone through struggles, prolonged struggles. And now it's getting to the point where, you know, they're making these decisions with, okay, we're going to send you down guys like Sheldon Noisy and, and Kevin Smith yesterday. Um, you know, you're struggling to the point where, you know, we're going to send you down and try to maybe get that confidence back up and, and, and bring you back up later on. But, um, you know, they're, they're trying to come up with the best group of players that give them a chance to win because obviously it's been bad. I mean, two losing streaks of, you know, 10 in a row or whatever it was is not good. I mean, it doesn't matter what position, if you're rebuilding or not. I mean, it's tough on the players. You could see it on a daily basis. They're grinding and it's not fun to go through. So they're trying to come up with ways to kind of just get some wins here and not, you know, fall into that type of slump for prolonged periods of time multiple times through the season like they already have, you know, these first two months, three months of the season. Yeah, my answer is I love it. We're in a pivot. Let's see as many guys. I, You know, some people are trying to – some people are trying to, to, to look at this as a negative, and I'm like, so what do you want to do? Just have the same crop of guys that, you know, are not very good and are never going to win and they're not the answer now or not the answer in the future? I say bring as many guys here as you possibly can. I've dubbed this the year of discovery. Let's find out who can play, who cannot play. Let's not kid ourselves. And the keepers, great. Guys who are not, see you later. But I want to see as many, I want my eyes on as many players as possible because that's the only thing that's going to make us better. So when people start criticizing, like, look how many different guys they've used. You know what? We haven't used enough. Yeah, I mean, it's land of opportunity, right? I mean, and, and you never know. Guys could, you know, who you don't even expect. I mean, obviously, there's top prospects that, that people want to see. But, I mean, there's always, you know, in these situations, guys who kind of come up diamond in the rough types who come up and, and you know, stick and become major leaguers. And that, I think that's kind of the intriguing part for me to, to follow along with the season. That's kind of like the, you know, what I kind of enjoy is, is seeing these guys kind of try to establish themselves and see if they can stick at the major league level or not. You know, and not necessarily guys who have been touted in the past. Maybe guys who come over from other organizations and they're getting a chance here. Guys like, you know, Danny Jimenez and Zach Jackson. These guys weren't top 30 prospects coming in. Uh, you know, they were kind of relatively unknown, Rule 5 type guys. And now they've established themselves as big league relievers. You know, they're on the way to establishing themselves. So you, there's always guys like that who kind of show up during a season. And, I mean, you won't get that unless you make these types of moves, you know, over the course of the season. You've got to keep on trying out guys. And if they don't perform well, you know, you call up new guys who are, who are performing well in the minors and give them a shot and see if they can stick. It's just, you know, you're not going to stick with the same guys and just keep losing all the time. That's that's not a, you know, very good formula there. You know, it doesn't help anybody. The players who are struggling, you know, their confidence is just going to keep going further and further down as they struggle at this level. So it's good to kind of keep on, you know, bringing in fresh energy and see if they that's maybe the right mix that's going to help them maybe get on a little bit of a hot streak here. I hate to bring up stocks, and if anybody follows uh, the stock market, you know what I'm talking about, and your 401Ks. Good luck to everybody out there. But if Christian Bethencourt was a stock, wouldn't be expensive, and at his age, eh, the expectations, the growth that you may see, but what you've seen lately, would you gamble and would you buy Christian Bethencourt as a stock? I mean, he's looked real good, uh, you know, just swinging the bat. He's he's looked good the whole season. It's just now that he's driving the ball a little bit more, it looks obviously a whole lot better. He's elevating the ball a lot more, and he's 
you know, crushing balls all over the field to the gaps. Um, you know, it's been, it's going, it's going on two weeks, going on almost three weeks now that he's doing this. So it seems like he's found something. And I think you definitely obviously have to play him every day and, and, and see, you know, where it leads to. Um, but yeah, his stock is definitely rising right now, I think for sure. Um, and I mean, he, he's like in the middle of the lineup now every day. So um, certainly when you, when you find this type of, you know, situation where a guy who kind of comes out of nowhere, you kind of got to keep riding him until, you know, he proves otherwise that, you know, it was kind of a fluke or whatever, but right now, I mean, there's no reason not to, not to be excited about this. I mean, he's kind of definitely been one of the only few bright spots here in the last couple of weeks. So um, any encouraging signs that you see from a team, you got to kind of squeeze as much out as you can out of them. Well, and then I say, let him start pitching and we have our own show. A Otani. <laughs> Why not? Why not? He could be a setup man or something. I'm sure. You know, he was throwing 95 the other day. So Why not? There's really, nothing he can do. You might as well give him a shot, right? <laughs> I, I, this is not easy to talk about because you're dealing with someone's career, someone who's had a terrific career, and you have a lot of spe- have a lot of respect for him as a professional. But what are they going to do with Elvis? I mean, obviously, you can't let him get to the. What is it, Cody? Five hundred and fifty at bats to get the uh, plate appearances. Plate appearances to get the uh, to get next year's option vested. Uh, what do you? How do you handle Elvis, a guy that wants to play every day? That you can't you can't let him get to those plate appearances. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, situation for sure. I mean, I think there was a point where he was kind of you know coming around with the bat. His bat, I think, hasn't been you know that bad, but I mean, he was. Swing it a lot better, you know, not too long ago. And, and there was a point where we thought maybe he could swing it good enough to maybe get traded somewhere. And, and, you know, the A's would obviously have to eat up a lot of that money on the contract, but um, maybe he would play himself onto, you know, a contending team. Now, you know, it, it's kind of been up and down uh, recently. But, I mean, just knowing the type of guy that he is, I feel like, you know, the A's get to the second half, obviously, you know, being, you know, not in contention, wanting to give a guy like Nick Allen or someone there some, some playing time at shortstop. I think he strikes me as a guy who would, you know, understand, you know, the situation that he's in right now. I mean, he understands where the A's are at right now. Of course, he wouldn't like it. I mean, he's used to playing every day. He doesn't like not playing every day. But I don't think he'd be a guy who would, you know, make a, you know, a scene out of it. I think, you know, this is the direction the A's are going. We want to play, you know, whoever it is at shortstop every day with Nick Allen or someone else. And, you know, we'll still play you, you know, here and there and keep you around, you know, to kind of help out Nick. But, you know, he's got to be the guy going forward. I think that's probably the situation where it's heading because you want to see a guy like Nick Allen play every day. Um, and he basically has, has proven in the, in the minor league level that he can, you know, he's ready to get a shot, you know, and, and with a guy like that, he's got to play consistently every day. He hasn't gotten that chance yet, even when he's come up because Elvis has been there. Um, but at some point you got to kind of, you know, hand over the reins to the next generation. And, and it's good to have a guy like Elvis around kind of in that clubhouse. He's very good with, with, you know, the young guys and, and kind of, you know, helping them out with whatever they need, but, um, you know, like you mentioned, the 550 plate appearances, I, I've done the math on it, and based on where he hits in the, in the lineup, it's pretty close, but I don't, if you played every every day, it would still be difficult to hit that mark, um, but it is possible, but I think as you get to, you know, past the deadline and into August and stuff, you start to see a guy like Nick Allen and, and others come up and, and play every day. That, that's how I think this situation will end up going down. Yeah, that's always tough, but it is the business of baseball. But we love stories, and that's what makes baseball so unique and so much fun. Uh, how much fun can we have with the Jonah Bride? Here comes the bride. How much fun can we have with this story? Well, I mean, it's definitely – I mean, it's a cool story, right? I mean, he, uh, you know, barely, you know, 
was it what 23rd round pick or something senior you know at a college which is rare and, and to be able to get this far in his career and kind of a late bloomer and even learned catching last year that that story in its own is crazy that he learned catcher and is even you know catching the A's are comfortable enough to have him catching games throughout the minor leagues and he seems to be you know from what I've heard you know pretty good behind the plate as well I don't know how much we'll see of him uh, behind the plate with the A's but I mean definitely a versatile guy and I mean I think that that's what this season is all about is seeing these you know the guys who we've heard about for a while now the pro- the guys on the prospect list come up and and get a chance to play you know every day consistently and see if they can stick or not I think that's the to me that's if I'm an A's fan that's kind of what I'm looking to and what I'm enjoying the most is seeing young guys come up and you know see what they can do because I mean it's kind of that's all you can do at this point I mean it's not a year where you're going to contend for a playoff spot it's not a year where you really are looking at, you know, veteran guys, you know, to put up big numbers or anything like that. Um, it's about the future and, and seeing, you know, if you can get some glimpse of a future. And I think, you know, as the season goes on, you hope to see even more prospects come up, you know, guys like Shea Langoliers, guys, these other guys who are at AAA who just got called up to AAA who are really close, um, seeing how they develop and see if they get a chance to, to do something here in the big league and see if they can be a part of this future. That's kind of the thing, you know, I'll be looking at is just, you know, can they identify um, who moves forward with this team and who kind of isn't part of the future. Um, that's kind of, I think, what, what the A's are doing, you know, at this point this season. Well, you're, you guys talk to him every day, and you're getting to evaluate him. How do you feel Mark Kotze is doing so far in his first year? Obviously very tough circumstances. Yeah, I think he sounds great. I mean, I, you know, I think, you know, I wrote about it the other day in Cleveland, you know, the 10-game losing streak they were going on, that was – the A's second, you know, 10 game losing streak of the year already. And, you know, I don't care what was it, what, what, you know, the situation you go into, um, whether you're a rebuilding team or a contending team, if you hit those types of, you know, lows in your first season, I got to imagine it's difficult to, to handle, especially, you know, a guy like Kotze, who, you know, his playing career was known as this, you know, everyday, you know, intense guy, you know, wants to win competitor. And so to be going through a, you know, a season like this, it's got to grind on him, but he he hasn't really shown it. You know, he hasn't really shown any signs of, you know, frustration. He's kind of stuck to the same, uh, you know, message every day to the ball club of just, you know, going out every day, you know, working hard every day, showing up, putting in extra work every day. Um, He hasn't kind of gone away from that. Um, And he's had a lot of managers, other managers to lean on. He always talks to us about, you know, how he talks to, you know, Francona, Dave Roberts, you know, Craig Council, all these guys who, you know, he's, he's built close relationships with over the years. Um, and I think he kind of leans on that too, a little bit when he goes through stretches like that. Um, you know, he's able to, you know, place a phone call to them and just kind of talk about how it is to manage through, you know, a rough season like this. And um, like I said, it's, it's not easy. It can't be easy for him to, to go through this. I'm sure there's times where he's just so frustrated, you know, why, you know, why are we losing this many games, you know? Um, but he hasn't shown that, you know, he hasn't shown that to us. I don't think he's shown it to the players. I think he's done a really good job of kind of just navigating through, you know, what is a six month grind. It's going to be a six month grind. They're going to, they're going to lose a lot of games. They're going to lose more games than they win. And, you know, he's going to have to, you know, keep on trying to keep, you know, the morale high in the clubhouse, keeping, you know, guys spirits up. And I think he's done a really good job of that. And I think the players kind of, you know, really respect him for that, especially the, the veteran guys. When we talk to him about, about the job he's done, they're always, you know, very complimentary of what he's been able to do. So, you know, he's handling it as well as he could. You know, it's a tough situation for anybody, but he's handling it as well as he could. Let's end on this. I bring this up usually only in the postgame show because in the postgame show is when people really want to evaluate players and evaluate the games. And I always have to bring it up that I know there's a narrative from people who aren't around this every day 
who they look at the A's and they think rebuilding and they think young, and that's when I got to bring everybody back and go, if you look at the ages on this roster, the majority of guys are 30-plus, if not 28-plus, and now that you sent down Kevin Smith, who was 25, replace that with uh, Bride, who's 26, still, you, you got Bride, you got Pache, everybody else, you know, Murph's one of the lone 27. I mean, a lot of guys in their 30s, late 30s, mid 30s, 28 up. Uh, you know, at some point, the front office has to say, we can't be rolling a whole season with one of the older rosters in baseball and be in a pivot year. Yeah, you know, that's, that's what that's what makes, uh, you know, this stretch of the season so tough, I think, for fans is, you know, you see these guys – you know, these guys are obviously big leaguers and they're, you know, professionals and, and, you know, they've gained the respect of everybody, but you know, they're not, a lot of these guys who are on this team are not a part of this future. It's just, you know, it's fact, these guys are going to be gone, uh, you know, pretty soon. So, you know, we're in a, we're in a point where I think everybody wants to see, you know, who is going to be part of that next generation. A lot of those guys, you know, just aren't ready for the big leagues yet. We, 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 I know we will see some guys, you know, in the second half, you know, you get to August and all that. We will see the guy, the Nick Allens of the world come up, probably Shea Lankleaders. I'm sure we'll see him at some point. Um, but a lot of their, you know, high, highly, I guess, touted prospects, you would say, are not ready yet. And that, that's the frustrating part, I think, for fans going through this season is it kind of feels like, you know, you know, where's the hope? You know, where, what do we have to look forward to right now when you look at this? specific roster right now um you know there's not any you know guys on there that you kind of think you know these guys going to be around a lot of these guys probably leave in free agency or could get traded soon so um i think once we start to see a little bit more of the youth movement come up that's when it kind of gets a little more intriguing for fans and i i would think that's going to happen at some point you know at some point you get to the season you know this year and you're like we got to see what we have with some of these guys are they going to stick or not they're going to get to that point. I don't think you get through a whole year, you know, playing, you know, Stephen Vogt and guys every day. You know, I think you keep those guys around, you know, as, as valuable clubhouse resources, but um, you get to a certain point in the season. I think you got to start playing the young guys, you know, on the pitching side, on the hitting side um, and seeing what you have with them and then seeing, you know, going forward, uh, can you provide a little bit, you know, of a feel good moment going into 2022 when hope or 2023, excuse me, when, when you, maybe you have more, even more of your prospects, uh, progressing through the system and, and could get even more of an influx of that young talent um, at the big league level. Hey, by the way, I love I love the email with all your work in it. I think that is fantastic that you put that stuff out every single week. No, thanks. I got I got another one dropping tomorrow. It's a pretty good one. We got uh, catching up with Jerry Blevins on it. He was in Cleveland over the weekend. Yeah. I know Ace fans love him, so that's going to be a real good one. I'm looking forward to you know seeing fans' reaction to that. But yeah, it's it's fun just to kind of you know provide the fans with something else kind of, you know, behind the scenes thing. Not really. There is some baseball stuff in it, but I like to kind of, you know, bring the personalities out a little bit. So it's been fun to do. Tell uh, fans how they can sign up for that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll tweet out the link. If you just follow me on Twitter at Martin J Gallegos, I always, you know, tweet out a link to how to sign up for every week. When a, when a new one drops, you just click on that link. And at the bottom, there's a sign up sheet. So, um, you know, if you, if you enjoy A's content, seeing kind of behind the scenes, look at this team. Uh, you know, I think that's, I'm just trying to bring, you know, entertainment for the fans, you know, whatever, whatever they want to hear. I'm even open to suggestions. If you guys want me to do something, a special section, you know, I'm all ears. So anybody who wants to subscribe, it's free, you know, so go ahead and just uh, click the link when I tweet it out. And a little tip, 
it may end up in spam. Just get it out of spam, and then it won't ever and, and say it's not spam, and then you'll never have that problem again. Yeah, yeah, good, good, uh, good to remind people of that, Tony. All right, buddy, be well. We'll see you uh, coming up here. What Friday for the homestand? Yep, yep. I'll be there against the Royals. We'll, we'll be back at the Coliseum. It's good to be back home. Good stuff. See ya. All right, see you, Tony. Thanks. M- Martin Gallegos from MLB.com does a great job covering your Oakland athletics, and you only get so much coverage. The main coverage you're going to get is basically with him and us <laughs> when you really look at it. I want to dispute you and what you just brought up. What did I, oh, the age? Yes. Yep. I, 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 when is that when, – when was the last time that was updated? I mean, they update this pretty pretty frequently because it has, like, manager success rate and attendance and all that stuff. If you're looking at the A's average age for their hitters, it is 28.9, so 29. Their pitchers – That's not counting Piscotti. Well, he played in a game, so he would be included. Wait, is that counting everybody? Yeah, that includes everyone that's played this year. We're 28.9. I think we're older. Uh, so 29 and our pitchers are 28. I don't think you know how this is calculated. Is this current roster? Is it everybody who's played for the roster? How is it calculated? I would assume it would be everyone that's played because it's 2022. It has the attendance. It has the age, payroll, the time of our games, which our time of our games is three hours and two minutes. Because I got a lot of 30s. I got a lot of 30s guys. Bethancourt, 30. As of right, like, look at the team right now. Bethancourt, 30. Vote, 37. Elvis, 33. Matt Davidson. Is Matt Davidson included in this thing? He's 31. Tony Kemp, 30. Jed Lowry, 38. How can you tell me all right? Our average age, I got Chad Pender, 30. Yeah, you can throw in Pache at 23, but look at Ramon. If you're saying it's 28.9, Ramon's 27, Barrera's 26, and you got Jonah Bride, 26. You know who skews it down if you if you include Who? The, Other than Pache, who skews it down dramatically? Nick Allen's 23. And the how many, how many games did he end up playing in? Uh... What is the average we are right now? We have to be over 30, the average age of our, of our position oh, players. On the, on the roster right now? We have to be at least – if it's – You're if, talking about one of the 28-man right now playing in Boston. Yes. I'd say probably close. 30? Close to 30, yeah. I mean, who's the – 30. Young, the youngest guy right now would be Pache, 23. I mean, if you took Pache off our roster, we're easily – our average age is 30. Our oldest guy – our youngest guy would be Luis Pereira at 26. That's it. Him and Bride, twenty six, and then two more. What? Two more twenty seven year olds. That's yeah. it. Ramon, you want to throw? You want to throw in the pitchers? I mean, their average age is twenty eight, according to. We the only conference. have two guys under twenty eight. We got Puck and we got Zach Jackson. Acevedo twenty eight. Blackburn twenty eight. Irvin twenty eight. Whoa, whoa! All Adam Aller twenty seven. Don't forget, he's up here. Yeah, he just got here. Austin Pruitt thirty two. Lose 30. Where's Sam Selman? Did we send him down? He yeah. was 31. Yeah, he was Lose 30. I mean, cut. this is an old roster. Jared uh, Koenig's 28. This It's an old roster. Caps 28. 
The other, who's the how about how about how about my buddy Rightfield James texts me? Ah, oh, Cap, I'm like no, Cap's an older dude. These guys are 28, 29. These guys are not a young baseball team. That's why I want to see young players. I want to see more young players. And what we're gonna have to start getting into is calling this whole minor leaguers got to be there for everywhere because they got to get seasoned. You got to, they're like a steak. You got to put seasoning on it. Really? Do we want to go through, like, if we went through top 25 players in big league baseball right now, what do you think the average age was they made their MLB debut? A lot of them pretty young. I mean, Soto was 19, right? Acuna was 20. Go down. Trout. Harper. We're just talking about Machado. Harper. Harper. Uh, Albies, Acuna. I mean, we can talk about all these dudes. Ozzy Albies, by the way, is 25. He's one like, on the IL. Feels like he's been in the league for like 10 years. He's yeah. 25. All these teams are bringing up guys early, and we act like our guys got to be in the minor leagues for, for years to season. Yeah, 25. Years. Albies. When did Albies come up? Uh, let's see. Another guy feels like he's been in the league forever. That'd be uh, Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez. They're both in their mid twenties. Uh, Lindor or uh, Ozzy Albies debuted at twenty. 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 We act. We act like Pache's young. Oh my God, he's only twenty three. You got all these teams are debuting guys in their early twenties. Lindor was twenty one. Jose Ramirez. He might be. One of the best. He, he's, I'd put him in the, what, top five best players in the league right now? No doubt. He debuted when he was 20. He's now 29. Oh, we're happy that Chriswell got moved up. He's a college guy. How long How long do our guys need in the minor leagues? Shaylang Aliers is how old? 26? No, no, he's not that old. 24, 25? I think he's 23, 24, yeah. Okay. Albie's been in the league since he's 20. You know who the youngest pitcher to debut for the A's was this year? Or pitch in a game for the A's this year? That'd be Adrian Martinez, who was 25. Then Castellini, did, who pitched in three games, is 26. Logue's 26. Dalton Jeffries, speedy recovery, uh, who's on the 60-day IL, was 26 as well. Machado, what, he debuted and he was, uh, what, Machado 19? was 19. Harper was 19, too, I think. Fernando Tatis Jr. And I know we're comparing them to the best guys, but Fernando Tatis Jr., he appeared at 20. Let's see. What was that? Well, Farron's there. Oh. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He would have been 20, maybe 19. He appeared at 20. I mean, I am tired Boba, Boba of Shep. hearing about how all our guys got to get all this damn seasoning. You think Mike Farron wasn't in the big leagues when he was like 16 years old, for God's sakes? Yeah, but I looked 40. Well, he had that beard. I mean, he had a full beard at like 12 <laughs> years old, so it kind of <laughs> skewed you in the draft. But 
How are you, my friend? What are you complaining? No, wait a minute. Now I want to know what you're complaining about. I walked in with you swearing about kids not getting an opportunity. We our guys hang out in the minor leagues forever. They need to be seasoned. It's no, they don't. They don't. No, 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 no. Our guys do. Our guys need to be marinated in the refrigerator for 48 hours before you put it on the before you put it on the barbecue. Guys are moving faster than ever before, and the gap between AAA and the big leagues has never been bigger. And it's not. No, I know you want to see them. I know because it's frustrating because the team isn't playing well, but there is a process and you can't rush it. And I think that the players who who are we rushing have the best? I mean, uh, anybody, who are we rushing? We don't have anybody. Well, that's the point is that they're not ready yet. <laughs> they're not ready yet, Tommy. Who? They're not ready. We don't have it. You said, well, you, you just said like there's guys that guys are coming too quick. Then who are you talking about? We don't, I mean, we're still, we were talking yesterday. We're like, well, you know, one of the guys could, should, could, should be Sheldon Noisy. I'm like, oh boy. I'm just saying in general, the issue has been that guys have moved too quickly and they need more time than what they've been given. They're, they're basically drinking from three fire hoses. When they okay. Then I'll say this. Off. This is my problem also with that. Cause I'm almost thinking we need to give, we need to start thinking of players almost like running backs in the NFL that you got no, five no. years. Well, we don't want to pay them when they're in their thirties. We want to hold them back because of time. Cause we don't want to pay them in their twenties time. It's the demand. The level of play is significantly different. I'm but we don't want to pay guys in their thirties. Here's the thing. Is, here's the thing Tom, will you agree the, with that? Become, will you agree that? with that? We are now anti the, guys. The in their don't 30s. want to, or you mean the industry? Doesn't? The industry. No, I don't think that's the case. I think I think what I think you're right that they that they have moved away from guys who are in their later 30s, um, as opposed to finding guys that are maybe younger that fill a similar role. I agree with that. I don't know that that's the right move, and I'll be curious to see if that thing if that starts to come back. I do think some of that is cost, but I think you know guys guys also have to make a decision on wh- whether or not they want to play for a certain number or not when they get to that point. So I don't I don't think that's the case, and I don't think that rushing a guy to the big leagues means that you're going to get everything out of them. I mean, player development in baseball is different than it is in other sports. It just is. And we're getting guys to the big leagues quicker, much, much quicker than they have been in the past. And I don't know that it is necessarily to the benefit of the player in that regard. And as much as the service time manipulation line continues to get repeated, and there are certainly instances of that, Chris Bryant was a pretty high profile instance of that, where you're just trying to get the extra year of service in this, in most cases, I think what it is is that the teams are trying to balance when the right time to bring a guy up is a, to bring a guy up when they're prepared to face the challenges of big league pitching. They're, the two biggest jumps in baseball are from a ball to double a, cause you're having the number of players and from triple a to the big leagues. And it is a completely different. I just did minor league games for a week in triple a in Omaha. There's some talented players there. There's like one of them that I look at and go, yeah, that guy's got a chance to be a solid big league regular and could get called up now and probably only struggle for 200 plate appearances among prospects. So, like, I, I don't, I just, on principle, do not agree with you. Is there just not enough players? No, I think it's just, I think guys are moving too quick. I think that's what it is. I mean, I, mean, I think that there probably has been a talent drain to some degree, but that's a much bigger. I mean, hell, I'm watching. Man, we don't have enough time to, our, our, to get our, into all of that. You our, know, like our, the way fr- the draft changes ha- have happened and impacted players. Hey, and, our first game today was to thirteen school. to nothing, and we had three position players pitching today. Yeah, well, that's just. I mean, I mean, yeah, seriously, that's a that's, that's got, there's a that's thing a to look at between all of these teams. The 
the certain group of teams that are up here and the rest that's all fallen, and you're looking at the quality of the game and you're looking at how the game is going. I mean, we had three, one team pitched three position players today. Right. That team was supposed to contend for a playoff berth this year. So now they've lost a couple of players due to injury and they lost, they lost their, one of their top offensive prospects hasn't produced at the big league level at all, in part because he barely had any AAA time. Another one got hurt in spring training. They have, what, three-fifths of the rotation either on the injured list or the restricted list because of personal matter. Like, you start going through that, yeah, they're thin on talent. But, they, I mean, they didn't have the depth to be able to hit with numbers of injuries and whatnot. And so that's why they were down 13 to nothing today. I mean, that's, what, that's why they had to pitch. I, I mean, I don't like position players pitching. I think two generations ago we wouldn't have seen teams go to a position player and that you'd have have a long guy whose job is soak up innings. So some of it is roster construction. And I certainly think there are things that can change in that, but let's not just think that we can, Hey, this guy's 20, give him a crack in the big leagues. It's the special guys that have that chance. The special guys that can do that. And that's, there's like three or four of those guys, maybe total in all of baseball, regardless of level. Well, what, what doesn't get brought up and I'll, and I'll use our organization is that, yeah, we're talking about outliers. But then you start looking at, wait, but even with COVID, we're still drafting 20 rounds. Where the last 10 years are the second rounders, the third rounders, the fourth rounders, the fifth rounders. And it's amazing how, you know, like for just our organization, you start looking at our roster and the majority of guys are not our draft picks. Where did all of our draft pick goes? Where did they go? So when you do make the changes of Manaya's gone. And then, well, first we start, we saw Bassett, we saw Olsen, we saw Chapman, then we saw Manaya, we saw the influx of players coming in for those trades. But then you start looking around going, all right, the international signings, the draft picks, because the majority of our roster are not guys that came up through our organization. Mm-hmm. How many of those guys were, I mean, I, I don't have it at my fingertips. How many of those guys were traded to try and help keep the team competitive over this last you know, four or five year period where they were competing for playoff berths. How many guys for what? Well, of, of the A's. I mean, you're specifically talking about the second rounders, third rounders, fourth rounders. Where are they? How many of them were traded for major? Some, but wasn't. I mean, no, we, seriously. We, I mean, like that's, we didn't I think make. A we didn't question. make. We you didn't. I mean? We didn't make crazy moves. No, but I mean, you still have to trade those players to get it. I mean, listen, there are there are certainly because Matt Olson, by the way, was drafted ten years ago. A lot of people won't remember that, no, but that no. was 10 years yeah, ago. I mean, Matt Chapman was probably, what, eight years ago, right? Something like that. Yeah, like uh, nine uh, years ago. I think it was the year yeah, after. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, those are, and those were, Woods Olsen was a, a supplemental first round, second rounder, right? Matt Olson was a first was round. Olsen? Yeah. He was a first round. Okay. So he was, was he supplemental first or was he? I don't remember. Was 10 years and Anyway. Ago. I mean, you know, listen, there are there are draft and development issues in a lot of organizations. Um, I think I don't know that the A's necessarily are a significant outlier in that regard. Um, I think, you know, when you see systems, you know, one of the things you saw was that that they did kind of a quick reboot this last time um, to try and support Chapman and Olsen when they saw that they were coming. Um, I'm not sure where the impact lies beyond that now. Now, Langoliers seems like it swung the bat pretty well in the minors, right, who was part of the, the Olsen trade. Um, you know, I'm curious to see what happens when Nick Allen finally is ready to see how he handles. I think he's going to handle shortstop fine, but how much bad is there? Um, but, you know, like look at Pache. Like, is Christian Pache look like a guy who, um, you know, is getting it figured out at the big league level? I think that there's there's some question about that. You know, does he benefit more from playing against 
the top level of competition versus what he does in, in AAA to try and make some adjustments outside the limelight. I don't have a good answer to that. I think that's, that's one of the decisions that an organization has to make when they know the player. And so, you know, I, it's, everything is an individual, everything is individual, right? But I get it. It's a frustrating year so far, a really frustrating year. So it's I a frustrating, it. yeah. I mean, there's plenty of people we talk to in different organizations. It can be, when you're not winning and you're trying to seek the answers, because the timeline of life, you want things now and yeah. to wait, because what the biggest problem with waiting and, and, and when you constantly talk about time is that can keep getting prolonged. And I can always look at my good friend Cody here when his Pirates went 20 years without being 500. It was always time was always pushed. And that is something that uh, you, you see some organizations, we can look at the Phillies already this year. It was kind of a shocker to some people with Anaheim and the Angels where some people weren't given very much time. And I wonder... Uh, and I don't know what you guys talk a lot nationally, how many managers are on the hot seat right now, and as we enter mid-June, are really on the hot seat and are not going to be given time? Yeah, that's a really it's – a, it's a good question because I don't know the answer to it. I think what we saw in both Anaheim and Philadelphia was a bit unique from the trend. Of, I mean, there hadn't been a midseason firing since – 2018, I think when Mike Matheny was let go in St. Louis and replaced by Mike Schilt, I think that was the last time there had been a manager who was fired midseason before Girardi. So, you know, I just don't think it happens all that often anymore. And I, and I think part of it is because, you know, I think the role of the manager has changed, you know, over the last 40 years from somebody who has an input on personnel to basically having, you know, some input on what the lineup is and, and where guys go and just trying to communicate the ideas of an organization. And that's something that's changed a lot you know, over the last 40 years, I think there was a generation of general managers that tried to get it that way that couldn't quite fight the inertia of, of what was happening in the dugout and that that's evolved too. So, I mean, I, I think, you know, I don't know. I mean, like who should be on the hot seat at this point? I don't know. I mean, like there's, I know there's a lot of screams for changes in Kansas city because they have been disappointing, but man, like they're the thing about young players is if you're going to count on them, you're going to have to take a ton of lumps because, there's nothing about player development that's linear. How much do you think the combine that we're now doing that a guy like Trout, because I always use Trout as the example, because like even Billy Bean and Farhan with the A's didn't go to see him because the weather was going to be bad. Nah, it's New Jersey. No one ever comes out of New Jersey. How much will this combine, we saw it, I guess, last year, see it again this year, and how it will progress? I mean, we've seen the NFL combine go from what it used to be way back when to what it is now. How much do you think that will help with players, maybe not the very, very top guys, but other players getting opportunity to have all the eyes on them? Yeah, I mean, I think for the most part, you know, listen, the, most of the players that we're talking about at the Combine, you, at least the top guys whose names have been mentioned are there for meetings. They're not going to work out, right? And when you're talking about the top prep players in the country, they've probably been well scouted at events that are a little bit bigger and in some regards more competitive than draft combine would be, whether it's perfect game national or team USA or the area code games or East coast pro or all of the above um, or perfect game, all American under armor, all American. I mean, all of those things are things that happen for high school kids and then a full high school season. So I don't know how much it changes that. I mean, I might get some different evaluators to, to, I think the benefit of it is meeting with players, but I mean, this is a little different than, you know, we already 
that's how showcase baseball and, and events that, that kind of predate the combine have impacted players and that they're looking for the most arm strength, the most power. They're not necessarily focused on the fundamentals. At least at places like Perfect Game National, you're playing game competition too. So you at least can get some sort of a feel for that, even if it's just for a couple games. And if a guy's struggling, they'll roll an inning. It's not you know real competition, but it's more so than that. So I, I don't know how much the, this combine is going to play out to be. I mean, I, I, it's a creative idea. I guess I'm still a little skeptical of it. I don't think that it's got the the juice that certainly the NFL combine does. Is that because it's new or is that because those measurables in the NFL are a little different than what you see in baseball? I would tend to think it's a little bit of the latter than it is the former. But I, I mean, I think that there's you know plenty of these events. Like if you want to go, like if the folks are in Southern California and Long Beach, they'll want to go down there for area code games. That's a really good ex- a chance to see the top high school players for next year's draft. You know, because you're going to see them in competition. You're going to see them in games. You're going to feel for what they look like, probably more so than, you know, fast forwarding to the next June and seeing them take some batting practice, run some sprints, especially when the top guys are really just going to be there for meetings with teams. When you heading to Omaha and what are you doing once you get there? I'm here. I've been here. Is that your hotel room? A week and a half. I am. This is a residence in. It's lovely, isn't it? Nice. Look at you, big timer. I know. I've been here since last Monday, because I did a week of Omaha Storm Chasers games, filling in for Jake Eisenberg while he was off gallivanting doing Mets games. So um, did that, had the guys from the Cespedes Barbecue doing the games last weekend with me, which was a lot of fun. Um, and so I like picked up my credential today, and I'm ready to go. Media days tomorrow. I'll be here for the first four days of the College World Series. Excited about that. Well, we just had uh, Coach Esker on, and the Cardinal yeah. did take two out of three from the Huskies, and they're going to be there. Have you been to the Drover for your whiskey marinated steak yet? This is not my first rodeo, Tommy. <laughs> so, yes. Monday night I was there. I was hanging out with Justin, the bartender. Uh, with a, I was there with a couple of other friends. I got my uh, prime rib uh, whiskey marinated, have a salad bar, a little loaded baked potato, uh-huh. some of the delicious wheat bread loaf, all of it. It was mm, très magnifique. All right, absolutely. When I hear, oh, we marinate in the whiskey right before we cook it, I'm like, oh, you got to be. Tell us. Why? Because I know from, you know, when San Jose State went years ago, buddies that I played with were on the coaching staff, and they talk about how so, how special it is. And we've had guys from San Jose State who work for Stanford and have gone many times. Just tell our baseball audience, Omaha, the College World Series, it's just an epic experience. It's so awesome because the city rolls out the red carpet for it, right? It's the big event of the summer. And whether you're in Western Iowa or Eastern Nebraska or in South Dakota or Northwest Missouri, you know, Northeast Kansas, like this is a big vacation destination for that week. And you've got fan bases from eight different schools. The first four days in particular are basically like a celebration of baseball. They've got a huge village that's outside called the Ballpark Village, which has all sorts of memorabilia shops and T-shirts. I actually just walked through it while they were setting it up a little bit ago. There's stuff for the kids to do. It's super accessible. It's really fun. The, the players do different things in town during the course of the week. So they get a chance to kind of volunteer or meet kids. And um, and it's just like this basic, basically this incredible baseball. It's not a convention, but it's just like this, this big v- baseball festival that goes on for the four days. There's a huge um, 
youth tournament that happens on Council Bluffs, Iowa, which is right across the river too. So there's a ton of kids that you'll see coming in from that, from that tournament that come in in, in different groups over the course of the 10 days of, of the College World Series too. So it's, it's a, a really awesome experience. Um, Omaha loves this event. Omaha has so many great memories of this event. Everybody has a story of meeting someone. In fact, Justin, the bartender at the Drover was telling me about Rod Dato, the legendary USC yeah. coach and his canes, which were all autographed by baseball players. And he said, he basically had everybody's autograph except for Babe Ruth on them, you know, over the course of time. And he remembers seeing Barry Bonds play here as a kid and, um, you know, like all of the legends from, from all of these great college programs. So it's, it's a really special event. It's the first time I've been in seven years. I'm so excited to be back, and I can't wait for it to get started on Friday. Yeah, Rick Monday had told us here mm-hmm. on A's Cast Live how he was in Omaha with Arizona State, and the writers all came down the line as they were stretching the outfield. You were taking number one by Philadelphia. You're taking number one. <laughs> of course, he was a Philadelphia A first pick ever in the uh-huh. draft. Our man Ray Fossey right here was also in that draft, but it's come a long way. And then, you know, we, we've had, we've been lucky on this program uh, to establish a relationship with Ben McDonald from the Orioles. And I talked to Ben going, Hey, being a guy that was playing high school baseball in the eighties, you know, whether it was like your LSU teams or Mississippi state with, with Will Clark and Palmero mm-hmm. and Brantley and Thig Pan. I mean, ESPN, give you, however you feel about ESPN, give ESPN a lot of credit. They've kind of lived and died with the College World Series for a long, long time and really helped put it on the map. Oh, 100%. And, you know, even when just like the – I mean, CBS used to run the final games too, remember. The, yeah. the championship game used to run on CBS back in the day at Johnny Rosenblatt Stadium. Um, you know, I think ESPN does deserve a lot of credit for helping to grow the game of college baseball overall, even in the last decade through SEC Network, ACC Network, through ESPN Plus and their partnership with the Big 12. Um, you know, there's a, a better collection of college games that you can catch every week, every, you know, you can catch the midweek and you catch all the key weekend series and like the big West. So I think it's been huge. I think that partnership is great. I think they have done a really wonderful job of helping to grow college baseball. And the fact that, you know, like the squeeze play that we had for regionals and super regionals is incredible. Now I'm a bit biased because Mike Rooney is a really good friend and my co-host on this week in college baseball on ESPNU radio, but Runes is such a great advocate for college baseball and he, and he makes it fun and, and it, it just loves the game so much so that it's contagious. And so it, it really has, because of the, the continued growth of the coverage of it, um, it really has started to take off. And I think that there's, there's more to come for college baseball I mean, college softball is, is reach new heights. I think baseball can grow significantly. Just need to get the PAC 12 network in more houses. <laughs> well, we'll blame that on uh, Ted Robinson, Roxy Bernstein, and all of our friends. Over oh, it's definitely Roxy's fault. I'll blame it on Roxy. Uh, by the way, Oklahoma softball could slug with anybody in this tournament after watching that. But now I'm looking at who's in it. Mike Farron, you're now an expert. College World Series, Omaha, Nebraska. It starts, what is today? Wednesday. It starts Friday. Who do you Friday. like to win it? I don't know. I still can't figure that out. This what? Is I need an answer. I remember. I, I, this is as wide open a field. Here we go. I'll give you the, it must be kismet, right? Um, Mike Rooney started calling what's now Charles Schwab Field the uh, checkbox, the name of the ballpark. The director of player development for Texas A&M's name is Checkbox. So we'll go with the Aggies. How's that? Going Aggies? Hook them. 
just he gives a check box. No, I mean, like, I think R.C. Slocum I, back in the day running the football for <laughs> Texas A&M. Yes, right. It's a little different with Jim Slosnagel in charge. No, I think, I mean, I think Stanford has a really good chance. I mean, they can slug with anybody. Alex Williams has got to get things figured out a little bit. It hasn't been a great postseason for him. But they have a legit Friday guy in Williams when he's on. And, you know, outside of him, there's not a whole lot of um, – pitching is down a little bit in college baseball this year. So, you know, he and Pete Hansen at Texas, Dylan DeLucia, who slid into that role at, at Ole Miss, uh, John Michael Bertrand at Notre Dame. Like, those are kind of the guys that you feel probably the best about going into game one of a series. So I think they're probably the ones that have the, the best chance in this. Um, but it really is a wide open field. I don't know that, you know, I just had lunch with a, a bunch of people who are covering the event and we all kind of looked at each other and were like, I don't know. I don't know what to do with this. I have no idea who to pick in this field because it's just so wide open. I was watching Notre Dame up against Tennessee. And by the way, those Notre Dame gold helmets are sweet. Those yeah, are pretty sick. The blue pants, man, the blue Jersey with the blue pants. It's a bad look. Like those are bad city connect looks and those are bad Notre Dame baseball looks. i just that the, was like the biggest up to set in college the golden domers and football Miami. with the gold helmets and they're wearing the gold helmets i was just like that's pretty sweet it's good the helmets are great yeah, yeah. i'd like the green jersey better with it I, I i would agree with that i would agree with that I'll, I'll take that um before we let you go i got all these notes everything on baseball everybody's great everybody's bad everything i want you to pick a stock for me Give me a team that I need to buy right now, mm. and it can't be the Yankees. Give me a team that I got to send my kids to college. I'm worried about my 401K. I'm worried about my mortgage. It's not cheap to live in the Bay Area. You need to make me money today. It's June. I need to make an investment. Who do I need to buy? I'm not Jim Cramer, so like I don't think I can really get you the. Uh, you're not going to see me pounding on the button saying buy, buy, buy. Um, and I can't pick the Yankees, huh? Because I can't pick the really Yankees. Good. Can't. That's chalk. I the need Yankees. somebody that's going to make me. Some, I'm going to put my money on them. I mean, you you invest in blue chip stocks, you're going to do pretty well, right? Well, that's what people said about Disney and their way down. Uh, go. Yeah, I want. Go I want someone other than the Yankees that you that. We're recording this. You're going to come back for playoff time. I'm going to go, Farron, you were brilliant. You were brilliant. Look how much money uh, well, you made me. One, that's never going to happen. Um, I mean, the, the part of me being brilliant, I'll, of course, come back for playoff time. I think I think it's a good buy low time on Milwaukee, personally. Ooh. I think that's a really good One team. and nine in, like, their last ten. Yeah, things haven't gone well lately. And and the defense has been down the last couple of weeks. It's a better offense than what they've done over the last 10 days. Uh, they're going to get Brandon Woodruff here back soon. That's a team that I really felt like, because of the division they play in, had a chance to load up on their win total. And I think they have the pitching that can win a short series. Um, I, I I would say that that's the team that I would be like the invest in right now by low. I think the Padres are another one to keep an eye on because they've pitched extremely well. I, mean, I think they're what tied for first with the Dodgers Correct. right now, right? And it's Virtual kind of quietly. And Fernando Tatis Jr. has zero plate appearances this year. Ooh. So, like that to me is pretty interesting with the the Padres. Is that you know at some point Tatis in another month is going to be back, and then all of a sudden, like what happens with that team? Like does that does it their offense take off to match their pitching? Um, that's a team that I think is another pretty good buy low candidate. You know, we're so used to. You know, in baseball, obviously elbows, shoulders, 
all sports, we talk about knees. There's certain things, but like wrist injuries, I know we're dealing with DeChambeau on the PGA Tour. You know, there's certain things that you have surgery on sometimes or you break and you have issues. I just starting to worry about Tatis. I know Bo Mel, when we saw him at spring training, wasn't all wasn't so thrilled. And here we are in June, still can't swing a bat. Starting to worry down there in San Diego about this young yeah. superstar a little bit. I think they're being ultra conservative on this. I think most other guys would be probably getting getting ramped up to go. I just think they're being really conservative with him because he's the the franchise player. So I'm. You know, I think it's going to be another couple of weeks probably before he starts swinging a bat. I think he'll come back relatively quickly after that. And even if there's some short-term power loss, he can impact the game in a lot of different ways. So I'm not really all that concerned about him and, you know, where he's going to end up. Even even accounting for the fact that I don't think the power is going to come back right away because you see that frequently with wrist injuries. Great stuff. Enjoy Omaha, and uh, let's talk yeah. soon. If something crazy goes on, let's talk uh, maybe from the Drover. I yeah, I will call you from the drover. I'll, you know what? If you want me to FaceTime you, me cutting. Yes, you I want to see the ribeye. I was looking at their menu. We were going over their menu yesterday because Coach Esker's like, "All right, we're going to do this from the drover." I want to see what the ribeye looks like because if you're telling me you marinate this in their special whiskey, then you put it in the oven and then it comes out piping hot, I'm in. Oh, dude, it's open fire right behind the salad. Oh. The place is fantastic. It's Midwest Supper Club. Can I shout out real quick? Yes. Jesse Goldberg Strassler, nicest man in baseball broadcasting. So excited for him getting an opportunity to do the games with Vince this weekend. That there are, I cannot tell you how many people across the country are overwhelmed because that that dude is one of the best human beings you'll ever meet. And just so excited for him. Well, you're getting different info because we've heard he's the biggest jerk and will backstab you <laughs> faster than oh, anybody. <laughs> Faster than anybody. We were all threatening to quit if he got his opportunity at Fenway Park. Don't trust that guy. Lansing, you can't trust anybody with the lug nuts. We learned that. Oh, boy. Here you go. Let's see. You point a finger and three are coming back at you, Townie. Hey, how's the Duke doing? He's good. He's good. He's cantankerous as always. So oh, I love your guys. Keep in line. Your guys' show is the best. Everybody should get up early and listen to you guys. No offense to anybody else on SiriusXM. I know uh, was good news at on Sirius and XM. You're now both 89, but uh, on your guys' channel, you got your show by far is the best. I appreciate it. Thanks. We have we try to have a little bit of fun. I mean, it is just baseball in the end, right? So we should have a good time. All right, my friend. Be well. Have a great time. Take care. Mike Farron from SiriusXM Channel 89. The Power Alley. The Drover. We went over the menu yesterday. When we have an Esker. I'll have to figure that out. I mean, I have to ask Stanford. and It was just last week, and you got games coming up. Hopefully they move on. It starts Friday the 16th, and it goes till June 27th. So hopefully somewhere in that window we can, we can get them. So we'll see. He's going. Who did he say? He's going with A and M. Yeah, he went with A and M. I, I didn't watch enough. Uh, I apologize. Did you my... get the RC Slocum reference? Uh, no. He was their longtime head football coach. It, oh, and they'd all get arm and arm. You know, they get arm and arm at A and M football games. RC yeah. Slocum. You know who RC Slocum is? No. The only Texas A and M coach I can remember is 
the old Packard Mike Sherman. Is that who it was? Who was there? All right. All right. Joe Castiglione's going to join us from the Boston Red Sox. He's on phone. Um, according to according to Farron, we, we just got to wait. Everybody's got to wait. But why is it we go to all these teams and all they got a bunch of young dudes? I, and by the way, have we traded anybody away that's done anything? Um, I haven't looked at his stats. Is Jonah Heim the best guy we've traded away? He might be. As of right now, I, I have. Uh, How's old Jesus Lazardo doing? Oh, boy. 60-day IL for Jesus. I mean, have we traded anybody that's gone on to do anything? I mean, his numbers were okay. Two and three of the 403, 41 Ks in 29 innings before he got but hurt. But he wasn't a minor league guy. No, plus he wasn't he wasn't the I, A's guy when's anyway. When's the last time we traded a minor league guy and he turned out to be It wasn't a minor league guy. The last guy I could think of that, that the A's let go because he couldn't do anything and turned out to be a decent player. Max Muncie, maybe. Is there anyone else? That's a fluke. Muncie couldn't hit here. By the way, he can't hit now. Uh unless you intentionally walk the guy in front of him, then he hits. I mean, who have we traded? I'm trying to think of who's in. And wait, wait, where's that? Oh, we got. And when's the last time someone said, "Oh, we got Oakland's top prospect"? When's the last time someone said that? Yeah. Well, no one's getting Soderstrom. He's the top guy right now. But when's the last time we had a top pro? Like, like you forget, Matt Olson was drafted ten years ago. Ten years ago. That was a long time. How long ago was it? Was it for for Chapman? Nine or eight? Chapman, I want to say, was maybe twenty. 14 is when he was drafted out of Fullerton. 2014. You know how many guys we've drafted since 2014? Let me just make sure. 2014, first round. It's 2022. Yeah, that was eight years ago. Almost eight years ago. Well, it would have been eight years. It's usually in June. Our number one pick is playing quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals. True. Austin Beck was a first rounder. He just got promoted from Lansing to double A. How old is he? Uh, Austin Beck is. Because we had him on the field. He's a Boris guy. He's one of the Boris guys, right? I'm not sure his agent. He, let's see. He is 23 years old. He was a Clemson guy, right? No, that's Logan Davidson. Logan Davidson. Which one was Austin Beck? Austin Beck was a he was the sixth sixth overall pick in 2017 out of high school. He's an outfielder. He's now moving up from Lansing to to, to uh, Midland. And so far in the minors, he's hitting. He hit 247 at Lansing this year. And he's now 0 for 3 with three strike, 0 for 4 three strikeouts for Midland, this first game. 247. He played in Vegas last year. Eight games, hit 150. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, at times like this is when you really want to see what's your system providing. What are the international guys providing? Uh, Poisson is uh, not doing not doing as well as everyone was hoped. Um, that's that's one. Um, let's see, international guys. I can't even think of inter- some international guys we've brought the DAs have brought in over the last few years. And don't tell me Cespedes. That was t- that was ten years ago. <laughs> Cespedes was ten years ago. 2012. So that's how long ago that was. Uh, Are you serious? Yeah. Like Geloff would be great, but he's he's you know day to day with that torn now shoulder he's hurt, labrum. Yeah. yeah, it's just. And then all these guys with the starters, they got back in some of the deals are injured. They're banged up. Um, Cespedes was 10 years ago. Where does time go? That's my whole point. He's not even in the league anymore. That's my whole point about time. 
That's my whole point about – I don't know. Did you listen to the postgame show last night? Um, I did not. Last night I brought up, it's like, you know, I got – you know, you hear people who are pro, bowl, pro ballpark, against ballpark, blah, blah, blah. But I just – I asked, how does Oakland win with losing all their teams? What do they win? What do they gain? What does Oakland gain by losing all their teams? No one asked that question. Have you heard anyone ask that question? Am I wrong? You can tell me I'm wrong. I haven't heard anyone ever ask that question. Yeah, I haven't either. Like, what do they gain in the end? What does the city gain? I, I don't know. Joe, welcome to A's Cast Live. How are you? Very good. How you, how you guys doing? Uh, it's great to hear your voice. It's been a long time, but uh, just reconnecting with everybody is a real good thing, wouldn't you say? It's great to be back on the road. We had a great uh, time last weekend in Oakland. Of course, swept the series, which uh, was the start of an excellent eight and two trip for our club. No doubt. And I'm looking over a 12 game span right now. The Red Sox have outscored their opponents 55 to 26. Just talk about what life was like for the Red Sox before this 12 game span and how everybody's feeling now. It was a very tough start. They didn't hit much early. Uh, the bullpen is still an issue, but it's improved. And, uh, you know, they've been hitting home runs of late, too, which has really helped. The 8-2 and two trip, they didn't really score a lot. They won five one-run games, but the pitching was excellent. And the starting pitching especially uh, has been really good. Uh, tonight we're going to see Josh Wincotti, who's uh, really a top prospect. They got him from the Kansas City organization. Uh, in the deal involving Andrew Benintendi. So he had one start here, didn't go all that well against Baltimore, but we're looking forward to watching uh, Wojcicki pitch tonight. Yeah, I've been seeing the scouting report on him. He's throwing 97 to 98 miles an hour. He's got really good location with his fastball. I guess he calls it a slider. It could be more of a slurve, mid-80s breaking ball that's nasty. So we should expect some big-time stuff tonight against the A's lineup. Yeah, he, as I said, he, he had a little trouble with strikes. He normally has pretty good command. But I think, you know, there was opening uh, first-game jitters. Um but he was very impressive in spring training, and the Red Sox uh, scouted him very well. But he was in the Mets organization, and uh, they think uh, he's going to really be a contributor for this club going forward. You know, when you look at the standings, in a year when you don't have expanded playoffs, which is not the case now, but if you didn't have expanded playoffs and you win all these games and you don't gain any ground on the people really in front of you, that would be frustrating. But for the Red Sox, sitting at 12 and a half games back, but knowing there's extra playoff spots, how much does that play for the organization? Well, certainly it's a big factor, especially the way the Yankees have just exploded, 45 and 16. Uh, they're going to be tough to catch, but and the better thing is it's a three-game series now, not just one and done. So that is huge. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, the Red Sox will be gearing towards one of those spots. It could be that the, all three wild cards come from the AL East. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. When you look at the standings, wow. It, it, 
how competitive the AL East is is really, really impressive. And, of course, the Yankees having won five in a row and they just keep doing it whether it's at home or it's on the road. I think about J.D. Martinez, and I got to talk to him when the ball club was here uh, against the A's, and he has just kept it rolling. He's got a 686 slugging, eight extra base hits in the last nine games. We saw the home run to center, which was a big bop against the Athletics. Just talk about him in the middle of the order and what he's doing for the Red Sox lineup. Well, he had a tremendous hot streak, uh, but didn't include much power, but now he's turning on the power. He's homered three of his last four games. And he thinks, uh, he said he never felt totally comfortable before this latest stretch. And he hit a home run last night, even though he got hammered, he got hit with a fastball and, uh, with his fingers against the bat and his hand was shaking on Sunday in Seattle. We're very surprised to see him in the lineup yesterday. He responds with a home run. But, you know, he's a hitting guru. He studies it. Every batting practice swing is taped and uh, he, he can recall every swing I think he's ever taken. He's really <laughs> a master of hitting. Isn't it unbelievable? I mean, I, I mean, I, I love it. I mean, it just shows you what it means to him and, and he's a professional and the art of hitting and just, you know, the certain guys, the great ones, they have this memory and they just recall everything everybody's tried to do to them and how they've tried to get them out. It's incredible. Yeah, it's like a golfer that can tell you about every shot of, uh, you know, 72 in a round of golf. And, uh, you know, other guys are like Jim Palmer is, is a guy who can still tell you uh, every pitch he ever threw over the course of his career. And that goes back over 50 years. Uh, but J.D. is very, very much a hitting uh, expert. And a lot of guys go to him for help, too. And the other two guys want to talk to you about, it, you know, the way Bogarts and Devers are both swinging it. So it's really, when you look at J.D., you look at Bogarts, you look at Devers, you have a really, it's like a three-headed monster right now. Talk about how, the, you know, that's carrying the lineup. Well, Devers is just phenomenal. I mean, he hits it so hard. Uh, and Seattle, he won the game Sunday in the eighth inning, hit an 0-2 pitch. It was six inches outside and high, hit it over the left field wall. It won in Oakland to the opposite field. Last night, he hits one 429 feet into the bleachers. He loves to hit. Uh, he loves the game, plays with a joy, and a bounce in his step. And he's a much improved uh, defensive player. Uh, Xander Bogart's big, strong, shortstop. He's a guy you want the ball hit to no matter what the defensive metrics say in terms of range. But you want the ball hit to him with the game on the line. And, you know, he goes in tonight hitting a 327 uh, with power. He's got six home runs, but he's uh, a guy who's capable of hitting 30 in the season. And uh, he's really the team leader. He, he makes his team go. Uh, wonderful personality. Speaks four languages. Uh, and just, just a gem to be around. And, He's a, he's a guy that there should be the all-star shortstop. Let's end on this. Uh, something you're going to like is Red Sox starting pitchers. They lead the majors with a 1.94 ERA in June. It just looks like the issue is going to be the bullpen. Do you Is that where you see Bloom going out trying to really help this team at the deadline will be with the bullpen if they're going to make a run at the playoffs? 
Yeah, we would hope so. They did add Diekman in the offseason and Matt Strom. Strom's been pretty good, a couple of tough outings lately. But uh, I think that Tanner Houck is uh, transforming into a closer from a guy who pitched multiple relief innings now into a closing role. He had a couple of saves on the trip. And he has not been designated as a closer, but he's the closest thing the Red Sox have to it right now. Well, we appreciate the time before the game tonight. Awesome stuff. Have a great call, and we'll talk to you later in the season. Okay, thanks very much. Legendary voice of the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, how about that? You're starting pitching. We're already uh, halfway through the month, and starting pitching has a 1.94 ERA. That's that's lights out. Well, their biggest flaw, as you mentioned, their bullpen isn't bad. I mean, Hansel Robles has four blown saves. When I looked the other day, they were in the top three in blown saves in baseball. Phillies. Uh, well, their their bullpen's always bad. Phillies. I mean, you like to look at certain teams. It's like if 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 you're going to be in a bullpen world and you don't have a good bullpen, I mean, it's demoralizing to play well for what five, six, maybe seven innings, and then you bring all these guys in, and one after another, they just blow it. Yeah, and it's funny because you mentioned uh, yesterday, you did, you talked about your – you want to talk about starting pitches or running backs kind of thing. So I went back and looked this morning. Do you know what the average start for a major league starter is right now, a starting pitcher? No, why do you want to do this to me? It actually went up from before when we talked. It's about five and a third. It was 5.10 or something like that. I, I, I think – I think there is a old school. That's why I mentioned putting the committee together to help change things has to be people that are, if you're 50 or older, you're not allowed to be a part of it because there's too much of, there's too much ingrained that's bad business. And if you and I went and did the top three players of every organization, all right, if we just say, okay, who are the best players, top three players of every organization? And we did, like, the average age of those players when they made their debut. What do you think it'd be? But Farron's an old-school baseball guy. He believes, ah, the biggest John. Ah, you know, there's always that, the old-school the old school way. It's got to got these guys got to sit in the minor league, you know. And then I know I'm right when it comes to contracts. They do not want to give 30-plus-year-old guys long contracts. It's true. They want short contracts. They want to use you. They don't want you long-term. Uh, the best case the best case and example we just talked about the last two days, uh, how's that Strasburg and Rendon deals working out for the Nats and Freddie the Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman won the World Series with the Braves. And they moved on for a guy that's, couple, that's four years younger. Yeah, they went really right out Matt Olson because of his age. Um, so, the, so let's, I mean, let's stick with them for a second. Uh, if you take the top three guys from their their team right now, uh, you know, four, I'll throw in Austin Riley too. Um, oh my God, those guys all made their debuts in that 20, 19. Yeah, 19, yeah say it'd be him, it'd be Riley, Acuna, uh, Ozzy Albies, and let's throw um, Dansby Swanson in there. I mean, they got a lot of starting pitchers that are young too. Um, the, but those guys, their average age would have been around 20, 21 when they debuted. Um, let's see. Um, ha! Ha! How old was Jose Canseco when he made his debut? 20. 20. We got anybody 20? 
no. Do we have anyone close to being 20? No. I'm going to go to Soderstrom, but he's only in, well, he's in high A Lansing. Ricky Henderson, 20. Pretty, it's pretty good. Uh, Austin Riley was 22. He's now 20, 25. So he still debuted in his early 20s. And I'll look at Dansby Swanson because we already went over Ronald Acuna Jr. and Ozzy Alves earlier. Dansby Swanson, when he debuted, was 22 as well. Remember, number one overall pick in the draft from Vanderbilt traded for Shelby Miller from the Diamondbacks by Dave Stewart to the Braves for Shelby Miller. Debuted at the age of 22. He's now 28. He's a dark horse potential top five MVP guy. Mark McGuire, college guy. College guy, USC, 21. 22. And I want to go to one more guy who, God, he spent. Who else played on that team with him? There were two guys. One guy's in there. Will Clark had to be. He was right. Will Clark played like a day in the minor leagues. The thrill. By the way, Will Clark and Mark McGuire, hard to believe. Their wars are very similar. Uh, Will the Thrill was up at 22. Different, well, you know, you know what, the, you know what the, the argument will be? But it's well, not different, that, it's well, not different people, because we got a bunch of dudes we've just proven right now on a bunch of teams are coming up in their early 20s. Uh, here, here's a guy. This guy can never stay healthy, but when he does, the team's really good. Let's take a look at uh, twin center fielder Byron Buxton. The number, How old? The number two overall pick in the draft in 2012. He debuted at the age of 21. He was a high school kid, but still. I mean. He's now 28. Going to be 20. Give me a player, any player. Give me the best player uh, on a team, and let's look him up. Uh, Joey Votto. Uh, he's a little older. That's a bad example. I don't know. Let's look Miguel Cabrera. I think Cabrera's, what, 19 or 20? I don't think Joey Votto's going to be 26. Joey Votto came up at 23 years old. Yeah. Uh, here, I can look up. I think Cabrera was like 19, right? Oh, yeah. With the playing in the uh, outfield for the Fish. Cabrera, when he debuted, 20. Like a young, like just turned 20. So that's another guy. Uh, oh, the, yeah, you, there's another one. I want to look at Yelich. I'm just looking at it. We went around that. Yelich at 21. Mookie Betts, 21. Like, how many guys do we got? What was, what was Bellinger? Uh, one second. I'm looking up. Hey, here's the guy that got sent back down to the uh, – he was 23. Joey Bart. That's a bad example. But he was a college kid. He debuted at 23, though. Uh, Bellinger was – Posey what? wasn't long. Bellinger was – 21. 21. Like, the more we start to do this, do they start to become less outliers? We're also looking at the best of the best, too. Posey was 22. Well, also how long guy. is your career going to be? How long is your career going to be? And how long can you just rely on, let's face it, if we went to 2012-2013, Cespedes was a random get. Donaldson was a random thing. I mean, Donaldson was the fourth guy of a trade who spent forever in the minor leagues and just blossomed out of nowhere. I mean, how often can he count on that? Not often. How old's Langoliers? Langoliers is 24. He'll be 25 in November. He's 25. He was a college kid drafted uh, a year after Joey Bart was drafted. It was him and uh, Adley Rutschman. Rutschman made his debut already. 
He was a college kid too. Now he was number one overall pick in the draft. He was a one one, but still. Uh, looks like what is Rushman? Rushman's twenty. Hadley Rushman, I think, is twenty two now. Maybe, maybe twenty three. He's well, never mind. He's twenty four. So there's your outlier. <laughs> twenty four. I mean, what what really is young? I I, I don't I don't I. How much? Are you, how long are we waiting? Carlos Correa, when he debuted, was twenty. Now, once again, you could say all these guys are an outlier, and I get what an outlier is. But the more we bring up, they become let. The more the numbers grow, of wait a minute, if we went to the roster, took everybody's best players on every roster. Altuve was 21 playing for an awful, uh, awful Astros. 21, 20, 21, 22. We're starting to see, I, you know, Bregman. Give me Bregman. He's a college guy. College guy out of LSU. Bregman coming up at 26. Bregman was 22. 22. How, how many teams have we got to do this with before we start saying this outlier group is actually becoming bigger? Well, how was Sonny Gray when he debuted? Let's just let's take a look. Sonny Gray debuted at age twenty-three. Okay. So that's twenty-three. Yeah, that's how old's Langoliers? Twenty-four. And Pache's twenty-three. Yeah, he Pache Pache came up at what twenty-two? He might have been twenty-one to be honest. I think he he debuted in the twenty-twenty season, so he might have been twenty-one. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty confident that that's when he debuted twenty-twenty. Just going to check here. Christian Pache came up at 21. Yeah, 2022. He's been up. He's been playing in the big league since 2020. Yeah. I mean, he played, what, two games? Two games. He was in 22 four games plate appearances. Last year. Four plate appearances. But he came up. <laughs> he so this whole – I would actually love to get into this more if we had, like, a long forum to have guys because I know we now know where Farron stands. Like this whole, the biggest jump in here and the biggest jump is here. But we're, we're finding, as we just do the research, we're finding more dudes coming up a lot earlier than I think people think. You know this would be good to do it with? We should do it with our, like, minor league broadcasters. Do something along with Because they're, they're around all these guys. They would know. Yeah. Like Jesse and Alex, Bob Hards, Russ Langer of, the, of Vegas. Is a professional athlete young at 25? Now that we have we've we we have we've degraded guys in their thirties. Yeah, I agree with that. Would you agree with that? I think old school baseball would disagree with that. But I think newer school people would tell you, yes, we have degraded guys that are in their thirties. Especially once they hit. We look at Elvis like he's ancient at thirty three. That's yeah. my whole point. He also debuted at twenty. But that's my whole point about about guys in their 20s knowing that did, – did Farron disagree with us about guys in their th- – I disagree with that. I think when I said, hey, we, we, we look down yeah, on guys it, in yeah. their 30s. He said later 30s. So he was Later like, 30s? We're looking at Elvis as an old man at 33. At 32 years old, they – they. Well, it makes me feel old. I mean, let's be honest. Freddie Freeman was kicked to the curb. If you really look at the negotiations, Freddie Freeman – they found an option that they could replace Freddie Freeman, an all-time Braves great. They could do it. 
They snatched it, and they moved on as fast as they could because in the end, the Braves really didn't want to sign him at 32 years old. Safe to say, I wasn't there, but just from the outside looking in, if they could get out of having to pay him well into his 30s, but they the, the first part of that contract, he's 32. Obviously, as a free agent, he's sign, not signing a two-, three-year deal. We do not want to sign anybody once they get into their 30s to more of a long-term deal. So if that's the case, I got to get them in their 20s. But if you're now telling me, well, we got to let them season in their 20s, how long do I got these guys for? Yeah, I'm, 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 trying, to, I'm trying to place a guy that's in the last, let's see, uh, 20, no, not 20, the last like five or six years in the A's organization that was a topper, a higher echelon prospect that debuted. Uh, how, how old was, did we look up to see how old Chapman was when he debuted? We looked him when he was drafted, but we didn't look to see how old he was when he debuted. I'll go Matt Olson. Who remember he got caught. Matt Olson got caught up, called up for 11 games at 22. Olson was, or Chapman debuted at 24. That's kind of late for a guy that was supposed to be Captain America. And he was a college guy. Yeah. So that was late. That's a late one. Um, Because all these other guys that we're looking at supposed to be greats are coming up before 24. Uh, Sean Murphy, 24. So you get 24 to 5 to 6 to 7. You get five years. They start turning 30, and you're moving on. No, I believe in the same draft – Will Smith was in there, the catcher from the Dodgers. Well, he was 24 when he debuted, too. I'm just looking at guys in that same – I think him and Murph are the two guys in the 2017 draft, like the catchers that were linked. And I think I know Murphy had an injury at Wright State that, that held him back. But still, I mean, I mean, look at the, a lot of the Dodgers guys. That is – by the way, that is a – Think I like to think of things in time. Think about that in time. So, basically, you get drafted – out of college, your window, that 24 is really a big number for you. Because if you, the lights haven't gone on by 25, now what are you thinking? Yeah, will you, will you ever debut? Will you ever get your shot? If you're 25? I mean, I'm, I would start thinking that if you're not up yet. You, you're a higher draft pick or you're. But the old thing would be, well, he's only 25. He's 25 years old. You enter your prime. Was your prime years 28 to 32? Dude, can you start entering your prime at 26, 27? Because you're telling me by 31, 32, guy's now old. So when is your prime? Like I looked, okay, 2016 draft, the ace pick, the ace number one pick was the sixth pick. It was A.J. Puck. He's 27 now. 2017, I think, was Austin Beck, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, Austin Beck, he just got promoted to Midland. As a high school kid, twenty eighteen. Uh, so wait, how, Kyler Murray. How, he's wait, playing quarterback. Yeah, that's <laughs> the Kyler Murray one looms large. Let's just call it what it is. Kyle Murray looms large because how old's Ky- Kyler Murray? Twenty. Let's see, Kyler Murray, twenty five maybe, maybe twenty four. He'll be twenty five in August. So twenty five. Kyler Murray should be in the big leagues playing for you in the big leagues right now 2019 i believe that was logan davidson yes college kid who right now he's 24 years old and where is he believe he's in believe he's at midland 
He's 24 years old in double A. Let me just double check. Midland Rockhound stats. So I mean, he, he's now in that 24-25. I mean, Jonah Bride did have a nice climb through the system this year. He went from double A AA to triple A to the major leagues. But he's not a guy that it's Jonah Bride. He's not a guy that, you know, you were thinking like, oh, this guy's gonna be the future of the organization when he was drafted. In the twenty third round. Uh let's see. Still loading. Um where is Logan Davidson's played in forty eight games in Midland. He's hitting two forty seven with eight home runs and thirty one RBI. At twenty four years old. Yeah, correct. When does he turn 25? Uh, I believe, was it, let me see. I thought it was this summer, but. This summer he turns 25? Let me let me just double check. December, so end of the year. So he'll be 25 going into next year. I mean. About to be 26. I mean, you, it, this is, this, see the ranges? See where ages and time really play? Like Zach Galloff is 22. You realistically he would hope should be, you know, I know he's hurt now, but he should not be far off from making his debut. Yeah, you would think if he wasn't hurt, maybe end of the year. I'm, I don't understand year. this. We got to leave guys and season guys. I, I don't, I don't. He's, uh, he also, remember, he was playing a triple A last year after he got drafted. He played in the minor, in the low, in what, we watched him play in San Jose against the San Jose Giants with Stockton. Then he got promoted the last like week to play in Vegas. So they, they the, clearly the organization values his bat. My whole point is, though, how long? Like, how long do you get? Like, how long do you need? Oh, the jump this, the jump that. I mean, I. yeah, I get it. It's hard. It's the highest level in the world to play. I, I get it. It's hard. But, you know, you need the right players to win. I'll tell you what, it's harder to earn a living as a golfer than it is a Major League Baseball player. You think I – there's guys that have come out, as they get older, they'll survive on tour, but the guys that are making the big money and the guys that are winning the majority of the tournaments, they weren't coming on tour for the first time at 26 years old. The top dogs come out early, and they're they're players. Wasn't, wasn't Tiger like 18 or 19? A Tiger could have played coming out of high school. Tiger spent one year. One year, Phil won a PGA Tour event while at Arizona State. So Melissa, I mean, come on, Melissa mentioned this yesterday. Keep an eye on Garrett Acton because he throws, you know, high nineties. How old? Um, he just turned twenty-four today. Happy birthday, okay. Garrett I mean, Acton. Then he's right about that age. Yeah. He'll probably if he comes up later this year, which Melissa said he's just got promoted to, to Vegas. Happy birthday, Garrett Acton, left-handed reliever or right-handed reliever. That's left, um, throwing ninety-eight. We'll probably see him. You would hope. Let's just look at some Yankees, because I know you're such a big Yankee fan. You're a Yankee honk, so I got to take care of your. I believe Yankees. Aaron Judge was a little older when he debuted, though. John Carlo was 20. Well, that was with the Marlins. 20. How old was Aaron Judge? 24. That's kind of old. Yeah. Well, he was also a college guy. Yeah, but that's kind of old. Because he wasn't a top pick. Well, what? Yeah, pick? He, was, he was a first runner. What late pick? First round, 32nd. So, it was a supplemental guy. Drafted by who in the 2010 draft out of high school? Uh, drafted by the A's. The A's in the 31st round. 
obviously didn't sign. And now we he might be a guy that gets. It would be one thing too if we'd had a bunch of dudes that had been traded and they've gone on to play. Like, oh my God, Luis! What did we trade for Marte? Lazardo. And wasn't it, it was, wasn't it just Lazardo straight up? No, I think there was more than that. I thought it was there? just I thought it was just Lazardo. I'm pretty sure it was just Lizardo. Just, it was straight up? James for Hayes is Zardo, one for one. Mm. Where are – where? I mean, it's not – we haven't traded guys that have gone on to do anything. And the guys that we have lately – The one guy – there's one guy that has. It's Jonah Heim. Jonah Heim. And he wasn't – I made that joke and everybody kind of went, I went, well, Jonah Heim's it and – he, I don't even think he's Big Murph sitting two oh one. Jonah Heim also wasn't our guy either. He was drafted by the Orioles. So compare the two numbers. Murph sitting two oh one. Two fifty for Jonah. Jonah Heim. I believe they would have I they, 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 they seven they, home they runs. Have what seven do you got? home runs, yep. All right. I gotta go the full stats here. Uh let's go OPS. Uh Murph's got a six sixty five. Seven fifty seven. But he hits the ball hard. Remember that. Uh, Jonah Himes also twenty six, going to be twenty seven in a few days. So he's younger. Yeah. Well, he'll be twenty. He'll be twenty seven the end of the month. Yeah, he's younger. Murph's already twenty seven. Yeah, Mur- and Murph will be he'll be twenty eight in August or August October. It's just pointing out when you look at how organizations work, draft picks, international signings. Guys coming through your system, going through a pivot, going through a rebuild, restructure, re-whatever. How do you view it? What do you have in the system? And it's and and I thought thought Mike asked a very fair question. Well, who have you traded away to be good all these years? And I'm like, who? Yeah, there's not many. Who was the big, oh, you're giving away your number one prospect? It was probably Lazardo. He wasn't a prospect anymore. I know, but if you're talking about a guy like, oh, I can't believe you're getting rid of him. Part pretty- of the problem is you, really your number one prospect, your highest, the highest pick you had in the draft in a long time was who? Kyler Murray. No, Austin Beck was a – him and Puck were both six and seven. And Murray. Was Murray was 10? 10, 10, yeah. And when was that? 2018. When was Beck? 17. Puck was 16. So Austin Beck better be coming up pretty quick. He just got promoted to Double A at twenty three. At twenty three, Double A at twenty three. Yep. He should be. If we're going by all these other teams, right? Yeah, as a high school kid, he should be ready to go. But Kyle Murray was a college kid. Kyle Murray was the tenth pick in the draft. College kid. Ugh. One more guy before we go because we have to go. Michael Harris is playing for the Braves. No, the guy that's brought up, right? The, yeah. third, isn't, third round, isn't he the second? Yeah. Third round pick. He debuted at 21. Drafted out of high school. How many Atlanta Braves players, a team that just won the World Series, all debuted 22 or younger for well, the Braves, including Pache? Him, Pache, Acuna, Albies. Riley was a little – I think Riley might have been 20. We went through at 23. Swanson was 24. But a lot of the guys have been debuted early. Uh, Ian Anderson, one of their pitchers, was I think younger. Kyle Wright was is younger. 
um, Bryce Wilson, who's now a pirate, but he was he debuted young. Like they ha- they do a really good job of drafting and developing. Clearly, yeah. Freddie Freeman. Let's just do Freeman real quick. Freddie Freeman. This is different. No, obviously, different GM. Freddie Freeman debuted at the age of wait for it, twenty. The more we delve into it, the more this whole oh those are just the best. Those guys are unique. Well, every team's got them. Every everything that we have looked for that we have researched on a live show, we haven't even had time to now go through every. Like if we go, if we like leave here, go through everybody's roster, and start really delving into this, it's not going to be pretty. It, we've taken the outlier out of it and said, no, there's more of the norm of this than you think. One more guy. Sorry. Kyle Lewis is 26. He was a Golden Spikes winner out of Mercer College when he got, got drafted in 2016 for the the Mariners. He's twenty. He debuted at the age of 24. So, still not bad. Golden Spikes winner. What about the other kid, Rodriguez, who they got now? Oh, he's 20. He's 20. Or maybe he might be 21. I mean, still. The only other guy I could think of is, remember, do you remember Evan White? Uh, yeah. He's 21. Uh, Evan White, they signed him to a huge deal before he even debuted in Major League Baseball. They gave him like a six-year deal. Uh, Evan White is, right now he is 26, but he's hurt. He debuted at the age of 24, but they gave him a six-year deal for $24 million in uh, 2020. So two how, years. How, how long does everybody need to sit in the minor leagues? Are we? Are we how, how 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 are we going to sell this? How how long is everybody supposed to sit down there? Um, I mean, everyone develops differently, but not really sure. But we gotta we gotta go. Ace total access coming up in five minutes. I'm ready to keep talking about this. Well, maybe we can talk about it on the field on Friday. So we're back at the Coliseum. I think we're going to have to do a deep dive on ages, and, and I'm not going, ah, Stan Musial. I can just look at the Braves. I can look at the Mariners. I can look at the Yankees. I can look at the Marlins. I can look at the Padres. I can look at the Dodgers. I can look at everybody. Everybody's bringing up young players. Yeah. Or And, and there seems that, like the White Sox simply traded away all their top guys. How does Houston keep finding these guys? They're supposed to be have a terrible farm system. They keep finding these guys. They keep bringing up young pitchers. Yeah, remember 2020? They had like 100 guys debut. We'll get more into this on Friday. Thank you for listening to A's Cast Live. We want to thank Martin Gallegos. We want to thank Mike Farron from Omaha, Nebraska, and Joe Castiglione from the Boston Red Sox, all joining us on A's Cast Live. We'll be back in a few minutes with A's Total Access, brought to you by Chevron. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's lastdivebar.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.